Friends and listeners, and a hearty and wholesome welcome to this jam-packed episode of episode three of Betrayed by Dice, uh, the tabletop wargaming podcast that always sticks its magnets on the wrong way round. <laughs> uh, my name's Lee Burns, and I'm joined here again by my co-host, Daryl T. Stoker. Um, Daryl, we're recording this at the back end of the weekend. Yep. Have you had a good weekend? How's things going? Yeah, yeah, nice. A fairly relaxed weekend. Uh, sorry, a fairly relaxed weekend. Um, club night on Friday, which was pretty chill. And then had a bit of some games today, which were fun. But yeah, other than that, pretty chill weekend. How about you? Good, good. I've been doing a lot of childcare this weekend. Um, of you know, I've, I've, So I've got two children. Mm-hmm. And uh, my partner today has been at a spa. Oh, lovely day at a hotel. Lovely. So yeah. um, yes, yeah, so I've been doing childcare while she does that. But you know, this is this is my That's spa life. time, right? Yeah. So yeah, recording. You know, getting to chat about all this stuff is uh, like a jacuzzi for the soul, isn't it? it so is. um, so let's get into some of that. It is. Um, so a bit of housekeeping first. So if you're watching this, um, then you can uh, listen to us on spotify or wherever ever you get your podcasts um if you are listening to us then you can watch us and you get exciting access to supplementary pictures yeah, of the you... stuff that we're talking about and that's at youtube.com forward slash northern realms um you could do both at the same time which would be good for our stats yep. and um you know if you just need to synchronize hit and play on two devices at the same time go for it easy peasy and um, we've also got an instagram account where we'll be posting the stuff that we talk about um that's instagram.com forward slash betrayed by dice you can email us at betrayed by dice at gmail.com and that's it so today's show mm-hmm. and it's shaping up to be pretty sizable it's a bit of a whopper we've got some stuff to talk about yeah man. so we're doing hobby progress and plans mm-hmm as per comdabitude um and that's including an exciting update and probably a bit of shared sort of hobby plans yeah man. Um, from the world of warmaster it is indeed um so there's lots to get into there also i've been down to warhammer world um and so there's some stuff to talk about there so that's mm-hmm. some recent games that i've got to talk about a recent game of kill team down there and you're fresh back from a conquest tournament just an hour ago so absolutely hot off the press yeah conquest content coming <laughs> at everyone from from the podcast here um we're looking at doing an exciting new segment called good gw bad gw yeah um the purpose of this is to make sure that we're relevant and people listen to us of course get the hashtags in yeah <laughs> got to do that um we'll explain more about that imminently um and the main topic for today is well we're loosely calling it all the gear some idea mm-hmm so we're going to each look at our top five of hobby-related um, gear must-haves. The things that, I guess, for, for me, when I've chosen mine, so this is exciting, right? So we've chosen our top fives. I don't know what you've picked. Yeah, we've we purposely better. done it sort of under under wraps so that we don't necessarily we haven't discussed it prior to. Nobody has influenced our decisions. It is all our thoughts. It's all fresh. It is. 
So I might be, you know, furious about some of the things that you've picked. <laughs> I would imagine they're, not. Because they're but, terrible, yeah. but yeah, probably not. Yeah. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see where we agree. And Absolutely. Yeah, but, yeah um, absolutely. And then after that, we're going to look at a run through of, you know, sort of some of our most favorite and least favorite and things, you know, in running through the sort of broad taxonomy of hobby stuff, because there's, yeah. you know, as with all good hobbies, there's mm. a lot of things that you can get to sort of facilitate doing it. Yeah. Some of which are probably fairly vital. Mm -hmm. You're going to need paints mm -hmm. and miniatures yeah. probably for what we do. Most likely. Um, some of which not so much. Not necessarily a brush, but usually helps. Yeah. Finger painting is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I haven't gotten into that part of the scene, but no. yeah. yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, but just a, a, a really broad discussion about lots of the different things yeah. which are, you know, help facilitate. Yeah. The things that we all use on a regular basis, but might not necessarily have um a full awareness of or maybe just like to listen to other people's opinions which Absolutely. is always fun isn't it and like everybody does things slightly differently and something i always think is interesting is how you know somebody might have just a slightly different technique and they get a use out of something which you wouldn't have thought of yeah so yeah we'll talk about all of that and then we're going to finish with secondary objectives where we're each picking out something possibly not strictly tabletop related mm -hmm. that we've enjoyed or been thinking about yeah recently mm -hmm. And that's going to do it. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. fired straight in? Let's go. Who's going to talk first about hobby progress and plans? Uh, I will let you, because I've got a small confession to make during mine. Yeah. Ooh, exciting. All right. Hobby progress and plans. And okay, so a few things. I've probably been fairly... I feel like I've been fairly productive recently. Yeah, yeah. You've done a lot. Um, there's a few boxes getting ticked. I've found the key to that is to paint single miniatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you know you, you get them finished and you sort yeah. of like feel good about it. But um, you get to take the pictures and feel happy about sharing them and getting feedback. And... Absolutely. But um, yeah, so I've been um, finishing and I have finished all the the drop pods from the Gallo Fall Kill Team uh, terrain expansion. Yeah, they looked awesome as well. So they were great. Um, I did sort of half of them. Um, I base painted in I think it was Ushabti bone, so they're like a bone color. Yeah. And the other half in Pro Acryl Jade. Jade, yeah. So I just wanted like a sort of contrast between two of them and also for them to contrast with the the main Gallo Fall terrain that I've yeah, got. Yeah, which tends to be on the darker side of things, doesn't it? It's dark metallics and rusts and things like that with the odd splattering of colour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, they've come out pretty good. And basically, you know, having sort of base coated them, dry brushed highlights with like makeup brushes mm -hmm. which we'll get into soon uh sort of like just through every kind of weathering technique that i knew about really so like they all got oil washed a slightly different oil wash for the so like a, a darker more black oil wash for the jade ones yeah and more of a kind of sepia oil wash for the ushabti bone ones yeah which gives it that nice sort of aged look doesn't it yeah yeah I was, yeah, I had recently been, yeah, to Warhammer World and seen, you know, Deathwing looking amazing and just yeah. the, the bone in general looks fantastic. Yeah, it's that, it's that sort of aged, starting to, to get that sort of stain of time look to it, isn't it? Where yeah. it's not, it's not just something that's on it. It's a universal change, but more accentuated in other areas. And it's just so like, yeah, I saw a guy who had painted a Sisters of Battle army. Adeptus Sororitas in entirely that with some red accents, mm. a bit like the is it the Shadow Keepers or something like that? Um, which are the there's a, a custodies, custodies um faction, and it just looks 
absolutely fantastic. Mm. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. So yeah, um, bang into that. And I thought those drop pods looked fantastic, especially, but I am particularly fond of the colour jade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was really, really into that. Very cool. Um, I haven't played with them yet, so that's on the agenda to do because some some really cool missions to do. So yeah, yeah that, sorry, it was oil washers. What else? Um, um, chipping mm -hmm. with like sponging, um, and and yeah, and then just like dry brushing them up again. Nice. But they were great to do. Then something completely different to that was um. So I've had the Miari's purifiers. They're called. Mm -hmm. It's an Underworlds Warhammer Underworlds Warband. Yeah. Um, Luminous Realm Lords. AKA High Elves, but mm -hmm. yeah, Lumineth Realm Whoa, Lords. Hold on a minute. This, yeah, you've got to leave the old world behind, remember? Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but they. Or, or not as we've done, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we'll get into that. Um, but they were, yeah, completely different. Like, they're such kind of, they're such detailed, but like clean models. All yeah. the lines are so clean that, like, I kind of realized halfway through that my normal thing of like a base coat, hoisome hoist some sort of uh, wash on it mm -hmm. just wasn't gonna kind of work no. so actually and i went i did go back to look at how they'd been done in the box art there's very little contrast between the sort of darker colors but they're all very light yeah, very light are. colors mm -hmm. and there's not much shading going on there's not much contrast mm -hmm. on the models which normally you know people tell you make sure you've got a lot of, course, of contrast yeah. on your models yeah it, with them, not so much, and, it, and they look fine for not no, having that. And, and thematically, I think that's where they're at, isn't it? Because they're this, the the upholders of light and justice, or their own version of justice, and they feel very clean and sterile, and you know, they they're almost ju just like the high elves of old, too good to have been sullied by, yeah. you know, rain Accumulated or, grime or exactly, anything like that. Yeah, no such yeah, thing. It's in sort of way. meant to be, I don't know, they're ethereal, aren't they, in, in yeah. some sense. So, yeah, so that was cool. Um, and, yeah, just, just playing around with just some very light colours. So, mm -hmm. like, um, da, da, da. Again, there's some new Shabti Bone going on. And Pallid Witch Flesh. Beautiful colour. Which is a great colour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and just, and actually <laughs> goes on, I think it's a layer paint, but goes on really nicely, covers pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, that was great and got a game in with those. Awesome. Um, and then I spent some time painting up a guy that I'm calling Nebulous Darkside. So this is <laughs> yeah. going to be the wizard from a Frostgrave yeah. band. Yeah, looks awesome. Based on one of the old world wizards, right? It's an old battle wizard. Yeah, it's yeah. one of them. I, I, like, I bought some bits off mm. eBay um, and then just sort of hoid them together because mm. I think they used to come, they came in like a box of four. And I think you could also get like a box of two. Yeah. You get quite a lot of bits, so you can sort of like mm -hmm. mix and match. Mm -hmm. So the way I built this dude was with, um, you know, some sort of enchanted bottle with like a skull shaped smoke coming out of it. Yeah, awesome. Which was kind of interesting. So to do that, how do you, I don't know, how do you paint smoke? So all I did was just with the Xenophil Prime that it already had, mm -hmm. just put on a very, very light blue not a wash, but a very light, uh, light blue, like a light turquoise that had been thinned down a lot. So basically a glaze over the whole yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. And then glazed some purple over the top of that, towards yeah. the top of it, just to give a bit of a colour shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, painting smokes, I, I don't it's, know what so the I right think, way to go I is. I think painting smoke's interesting, isn't it? Because typically people do it in uh, uh, the opposite of a zenithal. So they have underlighting. And then they have those, because when you get those billowing clouds of smoke from fires and things like that, the darker smoke tends to be at the top and the rest of it's lit by whatever your, your OSL source is. Yeah. So good example is always that um, 
I can't remember what they're called, but it's the Orc Shaman from the um, the Crew Boys. Okay, yeah. You know, he's got that sort of big cloud of smoke with a skull in it and things, or, or like a face in it. And people tend to do a lot of underlighting with a green or pink or whatever, and then greys and dark purples and things on top to give it... Um, but I don't think there's a right, a right or, or wrong, wrong way yeah. to do magic smoke. Well, I was going to say, this yeah. smoke isn't coming from fire. This exactly. is magic smoke. Exactly. So, so, you know... Yeah, I feel like the, there's no right answer. It's whatever your eye sees and you like to do. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the way I did it was the quickest way of mm-hmm. getting it done and trying to make it look okay. I thought it looked great, yeah. And you did uh, the Galaxy stuff on his cloak as well. Yeah, so I've, wanted, I've seen this done on on youtube and in other mm-hmm. places like and look amazing where people are painting a sort of like nebula yeah type thing particularly yeah. with like there's some guy on youtube I, I can't remember who but like did it with like a bunch of eldar, eldar vehicles unbelievable looks yeah. really amazing um and the, the the guy that i saw do it the way he was doing it was with an airbrush mm-hmm. and was basically i think like base painting it like black and then spraying on like white ink mm-hmm. but very transparent yeah and lots of different sort of patterns and sweeps and then painting, uh, spray painting again. So, um, so airbrushing on kind of glazes of um, like purples, yeah, and to create dark those blues. sort of nebula style greens exactly. and blues and purples. And- exactly. So, so, and then I, I guess like sort of taking like a like a paintbrush with some white paint in it and mm-hmm. kind of like flicking it with your thumb to to get all the you so know, like the random. White speckled dots. yeah exactly i think that's the way so obviously when he was doing it on a big eldar mm. vehicle with an airbrush he's got quite a big canvas yeah i was doing it on a tiny little guy so mm. i was like how am i going to do this so i, I ba- like painted it black mm-hmm. or with the with the xenophil prime anyway then painted over it um with the darker of the dark eldar triads that i always so, forget um oh just keep talking and i'll remember incubi darkness, incubi darkness there we yeah, go great then, i got there first yeah. So yeah, base painted Incubi Darkness and then just sponged on some purple mm-hmm. and then some blue to kind of create a bit of a nebula thing and then just went with the like um like fl- flicking some white mm-hmm. paint on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and it looks pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I think it looks more than pretty cool, mate. I think it looks fantastic. Yeah, cheers. Um but yeah, it was like I'm all in for any kind of maximum impact from minimal skill kind of technique so yeah. a base paint some sponging mm-hmm. and some flicking mm-hmm. and that was it very visually impressive yeah. pretty good to go yeah. um and then the other thing that i've been doing some of is starting on a Warmaster empire army oh yeah so what what do we want to do we're going to have a bit of a joint discussion about this at this point or yeah, can do mm-hmm. so who, who's to blame for this is it Drew in the Discord? Uh, or? No, actually, I'm going to claim it. Okay. Because I did ask many moons ago if anybody fancied Warmaster. And Drew, the seed. Drew was the only person that replied. And then popped back into the chat after a while saying, oh, you know, I've read some of the stuff. Is anyone keen on it? And then a few more people were like, well, actually, I'll have a think about that as well. And then you were talking about it. And yeah. And I think it just sort of spiralled a bit from there, didn't it? But I had been... Um, uh, so uh, I've got a friend from a, a different club who had been print, painting some Bretonians not too long ago and I was looking at pictures of them and I was just like, this game looks great. I need to try and get a game of it here. Yeah. Um, and it looked like it was something that I could do because I've got a printer and blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah. And it looked interesting in the sense that it's based on a rule set that we're both interested in or... 
um, a rule set that we're both interested in is based on it. Yeah. So Hail Caesar is based on the the Warmaster style of commander, or similar. So you yeah. that, you have central commanders that dish out orders to other people, and you have to rule for it. It's not yeah. just things that happen automatically. Should we back up a tiny bit and say what Warmaster is? Yeah, and, and yeah. Where, and where it, you know, how it came about and where it went, and sure, because it's got an interesting story. So Lineage, it was, yeah, effectively the sort of uh, the epic scale or the epic you know as as space marine or epic mm -hmm. as it became is to 40k yeah warmaster was to warhammer fantasy indeed and for anybody that doesn't know what epic is it's tiny miniatures yeah. so we uh, if you're used to playing 40k you're playing with um 32 millimeter scale miniatures if we are talking about Warmaster, we're thinking about 10 millimeter miniatures. Is that yeah. right? 10 this, this didn't yeah. sink in, honestly, until I actually I, I got the miniatures. Them here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they are tiny. tiny. Yeah. And you're playing with like Legions Imperialis is just coming out. Mm -hmm. So people are probably sort of familiar with like exactly, tiny, yeah. Marines. tiny Marines. Just imagine tiny High Elves, tiny Empire, tiny whatever. So they're on like, what is it? Like a, you get like two strips. Yeah, so you them. get two strips of miniatures, which is normally either five or six miniatures. Um, on uh, sorry, yeah, so two strips of five or six miniatures, so twelve, say twelve miniatures on a base, and the base itself yep. is forty millimeters by twenty millimeters. So your frontage, your six men or women or adjacent, fit on a forty millimeter width, and they're about ten millimeters deep or less. Yeah, because there's some space for um basin and things as and, well and one unit well one standard unit of infantry will mm -hmm. be like three of those 40 Stop. by 20 bases yeah. so six strips all together yeah 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 yep. um so yeah why why we what's what's the appeal for yourself um because i know why mine is but yeah what's what, um, what's calling to you from from warmaster so there's a few things the rule set as we uh, were just mentioning um it looks like it's fun interesting rule set um the game got picked up by a sort of non so gw dropped the game right so Quite it's a, a rick priestley game it is rick priestley a rick priestley game for, by gw like 23 years ago or something like yeah. that and then i think got dropped because epic epic was hadn't doing, done well yeah and exactly. they sort of this or you know the suits had decided mm -hmm. that um that they were going to sort of retreat in, or, or you know concentrate mm -hmm. on their sort of core three games, yeah. which I guess was 40k fantasy and was it Lord ne of the Rings? Necromunda? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, was 93, I think so. Okay. Yeah. But in any case, mm -hmm. yeah, they, they basically sort of binned it off. And, and interestingly, I was listening to a podcast with who from GW? It might have been Alan Merritt, I think, mm -hmm. who I think was one of the guys who was sort of more responsible for fantasy turning into age of sigma towards the end um but yeah so he he was saying that warmaster was a game which he felt had you know had you know hadn't been had been done the dirty just yeah. because of sort of um the way things were with, they got, with they sales got worried and, because epic wasn't doing well absolutely. and it never got its chance but rules wise it seems really fascinating right and it it's does. like it's a different experience very different experience so um it's meant to be played less about what the individual soldier 
or unit is doing as such and the numbers are much smaller in general aren't they you're not rolling buckets of dice yep. and you're not trying to you know it, it's and a lot of the stats are very similar very across similar, all these sort of yeah. infantry yeah so, exactly yeah. you tend to have sort of archetypes don't you where you, you where you'll hear people talk about like a, a three three four infantry or or, or three three four cavalry um and it's just the sort of stats that are relevant to them um so I think you touched as well on Old World being ch- changed to Age of Sigmar. Um, we we both kind of like hate AGW stuff, don't we? We like the yeah. back in day. And um, we both play Conquest, which is a big rank and flank game in full-size miniatures and things like that. And it feels like you probably don't have loads of room for maybe a full Old World experience, but this is letting us play with factions that we love, with characters, or, you know, you can imagine characters yeah, that you definitely. love, be able to paint those armies that you always wanted to paint, maybe not to the same standard or whatever because the miniatures are so small, but it's that that drop, that little drop of old-world nectar in a faster, more casual, fun experience at the club, isn't it? Absolutely. I think I that's mean, what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with all of that. I think you know, like, I mean, this is sort of perhaps typical of betrayed by dice. Just mm-hmm. at the moment when you know the old world is coming back, mm-hmm. and you know, we, you know, we could jump on that and like talk about that, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, but no, we've decided to go with a game which has been killed off, <laughs> yeah, from the realms tw- of obscurity twenty odd years ago, um, and I, th- I think it was kept alive. Like this is the most hipster sounding story. It's great. I think it was kept alive by in the Czech Republic. Right, but okay. by um, you know, if you look on the the Warmaster, uh, so it's called Warmaster Revolution. Revolution, I want to now, say, yeah. which is a yep. sort of the fan maintained kind of rule book, mm-hmm. which incorporated some of Warmaster Ancients. Yeah, um, I think it's based mostly on Ancients, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The the names of the sort of the dudes on the the committee, mm-hmm. uh, like Czech, and so it's, I think it was kept alive there, and then, yeah. then has you know it's found its time again with the um. With the onset of and the rise in popularity of 3D printing, 3D printing, um, YouTube, so, and yeah, yeah, all of that. So like, so as as far as miniatures goes, you know, you could go on eBay and probably pay quite a lot for like the old GW, oh, uh, an astronomical amount. You or, could probably pay for a unit what you could have a whole army for. Yeah, or you could get your friend Daryl <laughs> to um, get hold of some of the of the STL. So like the, the two of the people that are producing most of STLs which I've looked at is a guy called Forest, Forest Dragon. Dragon Miniatures, yeah, yeah. There yeah. We so go. my army, I've chose Dark Elves, so the Druki, um, uh, eternally bonded to the Malice Darkblade books and, you know, some of my favourite lit- literature from when I was um, sort of in my um, you know, late, late teens, early 20s. Mm. Um, and I just adored everything about the hags and Nagaroth in general and how horrible these people were. Uh, and I just, lo- I love playing villains. I always have loved playing villains. Um, so, yep, Dark Eldor are the, you know, the spiritual successors to them. They've got a very civ- similar theme with, you know, abduction, piracy, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you're a 40k fan, then you can sort of, get that link there um and it means that i get a uh, paint loads of purple mm. 
because that's the the classic GW scheme for yeah. um, the Druki or the the um, Dark Elves, um, and I also get a paint loads of Cold One Nights, which is absolutely amazing. Cold One Nights are one of the, if not the coolest cavalry unit from the old world. So if you don't know what Cold Ones are, they're basically Velociraptors, um, and then it's Dark Elf Knights riding Velociraptors with big lances. Pretty cool, fantastic. One, one of the. I mean, yeah. There's, there's so many. It, it's, it's massively scratching a sort of nostalgia itch. Um, just like looking mm-hmm. back through some, uh, you know, like eighth edition um, army books and, yeah. and and whatnot. But um, yeah. So that's forest, forest dragon. dragon. Yeah. So he yeah. he does quite a few, or they do quite a few factions, but they don't cover everything. Mm-hmm. And there's and there's also mini rat. Mini rat. Who, so one of the things that Forest Dragon doesn't cover is the Empire. Mm-hmm. So I was scouting around and found Mini Rat. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a. Both these guys have got Patreons. Yeah, I'm saying guys. I don't know who's People, behind. Yep. Whoever's behind the yep. um, whoever's behind the uh, the actual stuff that they're putting out. But they're it's the miniatures are crazy. So mm-hmm. like when you look at them, it's zoomed in like a gazillion times. You're looking at it in some sort of like STL viewer. Yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, I can't wait to paint these. <laughs> And then you get them, and you, you can't even. I remember see. the this the slight look of dismay on your face when I handed over a box lid for so a miniature box lid, so it's only a year big for all the people on YouTube, um, and it had a full two thousand point army and a load of extra stuff in it, and it was kind of like a, oh yeah, oh great, wow, just the, the realization. <laughs> Yeah, so like, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking. There's, there's something that I've uh, was going to mention in hmm. the uh, uh, the hobby gear, which has sort of been a great help. Is it? Looking yeah, at these. I feel like but I'm yeah, probably going to have to buy some of those. The, yeah. the, 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 the fantastic little miniatures, mm-hmm. it's that thing about like um, doing the old world, but without, I mean, like, I have thought about doing the old world when it comes out. I've always wanted an Avaland army because I like painting yellow and black because mm-hmm. I think it looks cool. Black and yellow. Um, But. Yeah, there's there's no way you know like spending the time to paint to paint one unit to paint one unit of twenty guys and the the whatever they might bring out in the future is, is likely to be fairly detailed. You know, yep. I've noticed that the old world stuff is probably like less outrageously detailed than Age of Sigmar generally. Uh, yeah, because they need to rank and flank it absolutely, and because there's probably a recognition that people are gonna have to sp- you know. Sp- Paint 60 a block of 40 skeletons is not whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But even so, it's just like, yeah, a massive undertaking. So being able to do it in mm-hmm. small scale, I'm going to have to figure out how to do it, you yeah. know, to like to be sort of fairly efficient. But yeah, and, and then to play a game where, you know, you can like get some terrain printed off mm-hmm. or borrowed or whatever mm-hmm. at that scale, you know, those battles that I've sort of always wanted to fight probably like with, with castles and rivers and like an actual sort of like... Warhammer Siege? An Warhammer actual, Warhammer yeah, Siege. Warhammer Siege. Well, I'm, you know, I've got part of the with old... The, the ladders and the the towers. Oh, my God. There's, there's rules yeah. in it for sieges and yeah. stuff, I think. Unbelievable. But, so anyway... So exciting. <laughs> so what have you painted so far for uh, Warmaster? Nothing. Well, I've I've begun... You picked them up before. I've, yeah. I've begun a unit of Dark Spears. Yeah. Um, which are the rank and file infantry for the Druki. Um it's just six guys on a stand, shields, spears, um, they wear sort of long cloaks, chain mail over the top, um, big, sharp, pointy shields, awesome. Um and because it's a, a sort of a unit based game, the command stand has like a banner. Yeah. And um, so I've went uh, the not Brave Boy version and I've printed off the banners with 
um, the the uh, sculpted detail. Yeah, makes you sense. You went hard mode and chose the accidentally. That wasn't <laughs> well. I was thinking I was going to get some like Transfer, decals, yeah. and then I saw the size of the banner. And got, yeah. I don't know what decals going to go on next, yeah. so I'm just going to like cross it and like yeah, go like because they've got like an iron cross style logo, haven't the yeah. part of the yeah. Yeah, I mean anything vaguely. Mm-hmm. I don't know, sort of middle-age-ish yeah. or, or I don't know, like a big uh, if it's Avalander, you know, some sort of like sun type motif would be yeah. cool, but I don't yeah. know if I'm going to get hold of that, so yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out, but... Um, Just freehand it? Yeah, we'll see. maybe, maybe um, but yeah, steam tanks I've yeah. always wanted to, like, you know I, oh, I still sometimes think I'm going to get a steam tank, never got one. So um, they weren't even part of your initial order, were they? But I saw them and I was just like, yeah, you have to have some because they're so cool yeah. they are so cool and they're going to paint up really quick. Yeah. So I'm going to spray that thing silver, stick an oil wash on it, mm-hmm. and then pick out some details, and that's done. A couple of red bits, a couple of black the, bits. The issue is going to be, I think, with painting this stuff, is to like figure out what's the sort of acceptable amount of effort to put into like the rank and flank guys, which is really just picking out... Put them on a table, man. Uh, so I yeah. reckon some, what my plan is going to be is, so that why they're there, because I actually do sit in front of my computer whilst I'm painting quite a lot, um, so I don't go all the way over to where those are so I can put them down after I've done a little bit and be like okay they look okay or they need a bit more yeah you know they need something else just to make them pop because one of the I think the risks that we might have is that because they're so small if you try and do sort of more subdued or sort of colors you're not gonna you're see not them. gonna see anything yeah. I think they need to be like bright silver on the spear tips even though it's like a normally quite a dark looking army bright um silver on the spear tips and almost like pink highlights to my purple to just make it so you can differentiate it, you sense. know what i mean that makes sense i mean again that was my thinking of avalanche you know yellow and black yeah there's gonna be there's gonna be some totally. contrast yeah. there um but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting i think it's probably gonna be something we'll talk about you know on future podcasts going down the line yeah absolutely i think it's something that we're both pretty excited about so it? i'm empire your Dark Elves. Dark Elves, the Druki. Uh, we have at least one other person who's... Drew playing. has a Chaos Dwarves army, um, which he's... Tiny little big hats. Yeah, tiny little huge hats. And he's, he's already painted most of them, hasn't he? He's, he's, a, yeah, he's a beast crew. Yeah, he is a machine. Um, I've been elbowing Josh in the ribs for quite a long time, telling him that there's vampire counts, and he's got a, a bit of an attachment to the vampire counts. I think he would he'd probably be pretty easy to sway he's also buying my 3d printer okay which i've printed our two armies with yeah because i've got a new one coming next week um so he's gonna have great by the way so good yeah so good um and i've got it sort of dialed in to the point where i think out of everything that i printed for you i had i failed one stand of infantry and i've just been having a bit of issue with the griffin with just that hand which is really frustrating us yeah um so yeah i think i think josh will probably join and then there's a couple of others that have asked questions um so you've got to be the change that you want to see yeah so yeah if you want to play full sales mode yeah that's great if you (laughs) want to play war master with us and you live anywhere in the northeast of england then yeah please do yeah yeah west lotman wildlands yeah friday night 6 p.m let's do it um, all right, that's all of my hobby progress and, and a bit of chit-chat about mm-hmm. uh, related things. Yep. What have you got for us, Daryl? What's going on? Well, I suppose I'll start with my secondary objective from last uh, episode. I failed pretty significantly. So my plan was to get a bust off and 
get some paint on it feel really badly and at which, at which at which hurdle did you fall? i haven't even printed it okay. i haven't even printed it yeah so i did i think some of it was because i was printing stuff for us but also uh, a lot of it has come down to a bit of a uh, psychological block um been in a bit of a hobby slump lately last sort of two or three weeks and i'm sure everyone can relate that's listen that's sometimes just really hard to motivate yourself to get going you know like I've I've been having a bit of a rough couple of weeks anyways, work and I've got deadlines coming up. I, you know, I'm currently doing a master's. I've got deadline for that coming up. I've got an exam this week coming. I've got hand in coming up soon, which is going to decide whether or not I pass my second year and blah, blah, blah. You know, just feeling like a bit pressed in from all sides. And I, I find it really difficult to sit down and concentrate on painting when I'm like that. Um, and I'm glad that the war master stuff started to heat up because it's kind of been part of the spark that's got me back onto feeling okay. like i want a hobby yeah um and sometimes that's what it is isn't it sometimes it's something like a maybe a new unit or you play a game and it gets you back into the mood or yeah or whatever um but for me it's definitely been war master it's been really exciting for us um like today the the tournament that i was meant to go to i, I was meant to run a different faction altogether and all I had to do was build one unit 12 models um to do it and I just like I couldn't even really motivate myself to do that so a bit rubbishy for it me happens. And it's, it, it, does, yeah. and it, it happens and it happens a lot mm-hmm. and, it, and it's 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 a re- like it's different for everyone isn't it yeah and Eb- it's like Eb- really interesting flow. about how you know like hobby stuff and real life stuff sometimes everything's just motoring along fine sometimes yeah. I find like I and I've, there's things that I should be doing in real life, and I'm like, screw this. I'm, I'm, I'm painting something instead. Something, yeah. Yeah. So it's like an escapism from that. Yeah. Um. Sometimes it sort of like works the other way around. You, like, I don't know, like something else is going fine, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. don't want to do hobby stuff because, yeah, it's just it's weird how it goes in different yeah, times, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. But I mean, I can definitely feel things are getting back to where they need to be. I've got plans about which order I'm going to paint things in. I've even sliced the file for that um, bust today. So after you leave... So we're still on with this same Absolutely, yep. That's getting put on. Very cool cool model. Yeah. Um, So that's getting put on to print today. uh, Well, overnight and night. um, And uh, yeah, hopefully have some stuff with some paint on and base so we can, i think we're going to plan to have a, a game war master pretty soon aren't we so yeah um to get some things going there um and i've got a few other bits that are, are, are i'm quite keen on getting painted um so uh yeah looking forward to that all right so apologies that i failed my mission i will do better next time well, yeah you know we're only doing these like once every month or something yeah. i was thinking it's quite you know this is a third episode yeah um, like three is just one of the sort of favoured numbers of Nurgle, isn't it? So you know, yeah. like disgustingly resilient. We're not we're not quick at putting these podcasts out, but we're, no. we're still going. Yeah, we are. Um, but yeah, like yeah, they come around, and you're like, God, I better do something. So I've got to yeah. talk about. Well, like for the last two, I had beasted loads well, of stuff yeah, out prior in, to it, hadn't I? You're in credit. So I felt yeah, I felt like I've been for sure. So um, yeah, what's next? 
what's next well uh recent games is what this thing says here so yeah. there's no reason to ignore it yeah um you've got some super recent games to talk yeah. about three games of conquest a day 1500 point tournament ran by a fellow vanguard called russ uh, who um ran the the event at a place called protect games i think around middlesbrough way really really cool venue great day met a, a couple of new folk um ended up drawn on the top table at the end of the game and the uh, friend of ours called Dan, who was who was a member of the club, beat me on tournament points at the end of the day, um, so did a really good job um, with that. Uh, it was my first time playing the updated Dweg Home in um, a competitive setting, and the, they, they definitely feel like they've been pulled into line with other people, okay. uh, not so strong anymore. Um, so yeah, that was really fun. So thanks, Russ, and thanks for all the people that I played with today. It was good. How many people were down there? Uh, it was eight eight man tournament. Um, That's cool. So just uh, it was uh, you know fairly um, small event, but good, solid games. People were like you know dead friendly. The the venue is really cool. Like it's quite it's too far for us to go um, regularly. I think it's you know it's now about an hour away, but um, the venue is fantastic. So if you do live anywhere near Protec, uh, definitely visit. Um. So yeah, that was good. And it's good to hear that conquests getting played elsewhere in, in, places, in the region. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And our local FLGS. Uh, I'm going to start running demo days once a month there as well. Fantastic. Good so is that Bay Games. Bay Games. Yeah. So Bay Games. If you need any conquest product, please message Kieran at Bay Games because he will sort you right out. He's a fantastic store owner. Um, and I'm sure you've noticed yourself. It's a quite board games focused place, but he's a war gamer himself, and he definitely gets everything that you need in. Um, but just a great shop, isn't it? Like you can go and sit and have a coffee and play some board games. He's got a great collection of board games that you can borrow and things like that. So it is. It is. It's a great shop. It's. It's kind of doing a couple of things really well mm-hmm. there's a big collection of board games like you say yeah um for you know that people are coming in and hiring mm-hmm. out um i see quite a few people in there with their kids playing mm-hmm. different stuff which yep. is fantastic we took ellie to play her first board game there um, two weeks ago oh, all right she class. loved it yeah brilliant um but on, on top of that um i think where some like board gaming type places can fall down or like gaming cafes can fall down is just not having the real estate for tables so the tables are big yeah they're nice clean big tables so you can absolutely get a game of 40k or something like that down there or conquest as Mm -hmm. obviously as you're doing so so the the tables is like one table six by four or is that is that that? i think they're eight by four very good eight by four so you can fit two four by fours or a six by four and some admin space on the side brilliant so so there's there's all that do three of those um and i think the bottom table actually can have two six by fours on it it's a bit longer yeah so that's that's really nice so as well as being a board game and cafe and the coffee is pretty good too it's great yeah um but and it, it gets it's... really nice baked goods as well i don't know if you've had any of them yet but they're really good all right that's good to know um but yeah it's it's um it's a totally viable place for you know small tournaments and, and things like that absolutely run in fact runs regularly shatter point tournaments and um sort of smaller skirmish ones so Brilliant. Yeah. so the tournament down in uh, Stockton, Middlesbrough. Protech, yeah. Protech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anything you sort of like take out of that for like if you were running anything or anything that was good or uh, that you noted about the tournament in general? Um, just general good folk that I played with today. It was really nice um, environment. Russ is a really friendly guy. Um, 
uh, you know, he's came to my tournaments before and things like that. So, no, like everything was smooth, you know, and relatively painless as far as having to travel and travel back from and things like that. So, yeah, no, nothing to take from it, particularly other than that I had a really good time. Um, and tournaments are great. It was not super competitive. It wasn't like everyone's trying really hard. There was a couple of people there, in fact, who played their first ever game of Conquest and played in the tournament. That's great. Um, uh, so, that, yeah, amazing. Um, how is the scoring done? Is it on the con? Is it on the conquest app? Yeah, the- so the app's now got a, a Swiss parents tournament structure built into it. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's really good, and you can um, just get a little QR code from your app with your list on, and it uploads all your player deals and things. It's good. That's so handy. All right, so much for conquest. Yeah, and on the darker side of things, I tried my first game of forty k tenth edition. All right, so meme alert. Mm-hmm. Daryl's played some forty k. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How was that? Yeah, um, so played with Dan, or Dan, uh, our friend from the Warhammer podcast, the W-O-R Warhammer podcast. Um, I've been promising him a game for quite a long time, and he said that if I played a game of 40k with him, he'd come play a game Conquest with me. All right, it's a deal. It is a deal, indeed. Um, We played Tau versus Dark Eldar. Maybe it was Faction, maybe it was me being sort of new game i felt like i had a pretty good grasp on the rules i'm definitely a quick study um just i just think the game is absolutely ruined by the way the terrain works but i know the terrain works because the way it does because things die too quickly in it and because of that i think everything just needs to be looked at again so the the game essentially went like this I have everything hidden, you have everything hidden, except for maybe one or two things. I get first turn, I kill that one thing that I can see, and then hide the rest of my stuff. You get your turn, you kill that one thing that you can see, and then hide the rest of your stuff. And so on and so, so forth. Ad nauseum, yep, yep. ad nauseum. Um, and it all came down to, and I won the game, by the way, this isn't, being me, isn't me being salty, I yeah, think no. I won by like one point, um, but I just felt like it was so uninteractive it was just a who can score the most on primary we're scoring equal on each turn right who's scoring the best on secondaries it's either fixed which i know there's a bit of tactical thing can come down to that but we both decided to do um the uh the tact sorry yeah so fixed is the non-tactical fixed, yeah. isn't it yeah. and then tactical is the one way you draw and then it's a bit of luck and it just felt like um right you can't see most of my army, so you've you've only got this to shoot at, right? You can't see most from my army, and it just felt like. And we actually played on probably not enough terrain as far as a tournament standard board goes. Okay, but it's just the bottom floor being obscure and being able to hide loads of small units, stop any deep strike to, to stop things from getting into the back. You're never reaching it to the other side of the board without just getting wiped off. So it was kind of like a, a Mexican standoff of. Um, who's going to draw some bad secondaries at some point. Okay. So I'm assuming... So you were Tau, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming a bit, a pretty shooty Tau list. Uh, yeah, but a mobile one. Right, A okay. mobile one. So, you know, I could chase things down if I needed to. I had a load of suits. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a couple of tanks. I'm, I'm just wondering, if was it because both sides had fairly, you know, on the shooty Shoot. side? Yeah, yeah. 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 But... I'm, I'm, with the greatest respect to to um, people who play melee or shooty armies or whatever, yeah, I would say the vast majority of armies now are yeah, shooty yeah. because melee is so 
subpar in comparison mm. that most people focus on highly ranged output armies. Yeah, yeah. So Eldar, massively ranged output, Admech, Space Marines, Votan, you know, all of the big ones, Knights, they're all just shoot your armies. Yeah. And when you're talking about the terrain, is it the fact that so much, because I know that like thing, things are in cover a lot because so, of the way that that not, works. It's not cover, it's the obscuring, so you can't see. That's what we're talking yeah, about. You just can't not see them. Things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So if you can run lots of small units for cheap, or if you can have units that are small enough to not be seen, yep. but still stand on a point, you know, yep, yep, yep. it's just zero interaction. And I just feel like that's what the game feels like to me. It mm. feels like either... Who can roll all the dice and kill things that are outside, or who's just going to stand on points and score? Mm. There's never. It doesn't feel like there's enough interaction. Yeah, interesting. So, I mean, Dan plays a lot of 40k, obviously. He does. Yeah. What was his? I'm wondering what his sort of reflection on that particular. He felt he exactly like, the same. Was he yeah. like, this is yeah. this is 10th edition, or this is normal game, and I agree, or was he like, oh, that's gone in a particular way, which maybe isn't a, a you know the best experience. No, well, he's he's obviously a firm proponent of 40k, isn't he? He really likes 40k. Sure. Um, but you know, there's things that he's he's very quickly soured on, um, Necrons because they've got this sort of, I'm just going to stand in the middle and get either grind them down or I'm going to get ground down or in this situation he's got multiple small units to be competitive and then stuff that can fire and fade for free things like that and he's got the the, uh, the dark elder things that can shoot and then jump back it's not fire and fade because it's not a stratagem but it's a similar sort of thing um the scourges um so you know like even he said that didn't really feel like we were like fighting each other it was just really non-interactive um and i'm sure if i was playing against a, a horde of orcs that were just running at us that it would have it would have been different bit, yeah. but then again i would have been at a massive advantage because i had a very shooty army that's very good at pulling apart yeah, yeah, things yeah. that are not in cover I'm, really, I'm conscious of being a little bit devil's advocate here as well but mm -hmm. like is, is there is there anything about like what the players do at the table that changes that up or do you feel that it's just restricted um, by you know by the terrain rules or whatever or so if you choose to play suboptimally yeah yeah so if you choose to not put your things in cover but if i ever said to you why would you do that, lee yeah. would you like to put your things there on the objective and not be seen and not be shot or lee would you like to put your things there on the objective but be seen and killed by me next turn you're going to say i think i'll take the first one yeah bro. yeah yeah so it's you not know? like it's not like a yeah, and not playing, no. I don't know, narratively or anything. It's, it's, no. it's just to but do with you're, you're in cover or the, you're not. And, the, yeah, this is sorry, the, you're obscured or you're not. Yeah, this is the thing that people sort of need to, uh, to, to rationalise in the head as well. I think a lot of people say, oh, it's tournament players. Oh, I like more of a narrative-style game. Listen, there's not a single person in the world that you say there's a big load of enemies over there. Go and get them and they'll go, right, no bother. Well, I'll just stand in the middle of the street when there's all this cover around and get shot at. Yeah. So narrative doesn't work like that. That's not how it works. All and right. narrative games, the way that narrative play is meant to be used is so that the list building rules and the reinforcement rules and all this kind of stuff don't apply. It's not the I'm going to do things suboptimally or things that wouldn't happen. I'm really great that we've mm -hmm. sort of uh, come up with the difference uh, between narrative yeah. and suboptimal. Yeah, but I mean, I, I agree. I haven't played. I don't have a sort of dog in the fight. I've, yeah. I've played like a couple of games of tenth edition and enjoyed them both a lot. Mm -hmm. And and honestly, yeah, I've, I'm looking to have a couple of games. You know, in in the more yeah in in the not too distant future. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'll, I'll have played so little that I will definitely be playing suboptimally. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to the extent of like just like having all my guys hanging out and getting shot massively exactly, off. Exactly, yeah. But, I'm, not, I'm not saying that every decision I made was perfect, by the way. No, no. But, no. Yeah. but um, yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. Do you, know, uh, do you know what I think really compounds that feeling for me? Mm. Army activations instead of alternating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you don't want to put one of your units out in the open when the whole of the other army is going it's to gonna be able to shoot at them, them yeah. and definitely remove them. Mm -hmm. You know, if you if if they're only getting to shoot with one unit before you get to go again, mm -hmm. then yeah, you might want to put one of your guys out in the open if he's going to have a shot at getting on the objective yeah. in the next turn or, or whatever it is. So mm -hmm. yeah, there is that. There is that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Alternating activations oh, for the win, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and that's something we should probably talk about at some point. But anyway, okay. So much for forty k. Anything else to say on that? Or uh, no, I'll give it another couple of goes. I'll give it another couple of goes. Try changing my mindset up, going fresh, all that kind of stuff. But just were you super optimistic when you came into this? Were you like, I'm yeah. gonna enjoy this? Mm -hmm. It's gonna yeah, be yeah, great. Yeah, totally, totally. Right. Yeah, just, it was. And, and it's because I really like Dan, and he's a very oh, yeah. positive guy. Absolutely. And and I just wanted to. Uh, just to have a good, good game with with a pal, not and I wasn't there to like, you know, like like screw my head on and have the most awesome tournament game I've ever had, but like I just never ever felt like I was playing against someone. I felt like I was playing against the system. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. There we go. Um, Anything else to talk about for your just page? just a load of card games, load of tons of tons of card games to make my uh, quick pick up and play. Uh, been playing a lot of Flesh and Blood and a bit of um, Commander as well. Just fast, no hobby involved in it, which is bad. But yeah, yeah, card games for the win. That's cool. So yeah, you've been talking about like trying to get as interested in, in particular, I think Flesh and Blood. Indeed. So tell us briefly what's Flesh and Blood. Why is it good? Flesh and Blood is if Soul Calibur okay. was a card game, yep. then that is how it is. Uh, that is how the best way to describe it. Soul Calibur, Street Fighter, whatever, Tekken. And basically your hand of cards is your special moves, but it's also your blocks and your energy bar. So you've got to... It's all a gamble and working out how it would be the most um, optimal. I know I like that word. Uh, in can I do? Do I need to keep these cards to do damage, or should I defend with them? And it feels like these two people you play as a hero each. It feels like these two heroes are slogging it out as a battle. It's not like magic where you're putting a load of cards on the table, and I've got an army of zombies, and then he's got an army of soldiers, yep. and then I've got a big, you know, a big minotaur or whatever. It's it's just two folk having a a punch up and how does it work from the point of view of sort of deck building and combos and things like that is yeah, there a lot to all, get all, into yeah or? there's there's plenty to explore but it's pretty easy to pick up um and if you play a commoner format which is what we're trying to introduce in the club it's very cheap three four quid for a deck mm. and then you know you're laughing and you, you've got just as much of a chance of winning as anyone mm -hmm. and you're not we're not worrying about who's got the 200 quid card that's going to make them 20 percent better than everyone else things yeah like that. yeah interesting so we had a brief conversation about this the other night. So like, yeah. I think like I don't play a lot of sort of like more interesting card games, you know, that aren't like Dutch Blitz. Yeah, 
Dutch, <laughs> nothing wrong with Dutch Bliss. But anyway, yeah, I'm just terrible at it. Um, yeah, and I don't. I, I think like within this sort of like world of you know we're talking about tabletop gaming and things that you can sort of like really get into. Mm-hmm. I think the thing which like in my head I'm not getting into, and uh, you know we'll see how this goes. But it, it's just that you know with, with miniatures, there's something really tangible, and it's you know breaking that sort of um, you know being able to sort of like like do something that's sort of immersive or there's something yeah. that physically represents that. I think that's the same reason that I've never, although I've, I have thought about you know, getting into RPGs at some point, mm-hmm. but just if, if there's not like a sort of physical thing there to look at, and plus I just like miniatures, yeah. so there's that. But um, yeah, I've never really, yeah, just never really thought bought to get in. into, bought into uh, the, like the uh, sort of card game like Flesh and Blood like mm-hmm. we're talking mm-hmm. about. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. I think it's a really good back pocket thing for a, a miniature gamer for a few reasons. One, it's quick, cheap, and sort of fairly uh, low mental load to to understand the game at first. Yeah. Um, and two, you go to a night at the club, maybe you haven't got a game arranged, or maybe you've just got a, sh- a short skirmish game arranged, whatever. Um, that means that the other folk there that are at the club that have got a deck, you know, right, I'm finished my game in an hour and a half. I had planned to spend three hours here. It's like, Right, I'll have a game with you, that's half an hour. I'll have a game with you, that's half an hour. I'll have a game with you, that's half an hour. You get to socialise more, you get to, you know, have a little bit of a, a game of something with loads of people. Mm. Um, card games are really good for that short window of interaction with people, which is good. Yeah. No, that all, that all makes a lot of sense. Mm. So, flesh and, and blood. And just, like I said, just a back pocket thing. It's just in your bag if you also fancy a game afterwards or you get finished early or somebody ended up not turning up or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I suppose it's like yeah, it's in you know it's cool to be able to like sort of like get into something mm-hmm. which which doesn't require that sort of like you know like level of immersion in a world or like buying mm-hmm. into something. And by the way, Flesh and Blood has got a really well fleshed out story. Okay, all the characters have got backstories. There's history. Um, there's history for all the characters. There's interactions between them. Um, so there's there's lots of stuff to read about, and then there's cards that have direct links to some of their background stories and things like that. So yeah, they're all really interesting characters. That they're, they're not just it's not just Ryu and Ken who are the same character, but one's Japanese guy and the other one's American with blonde hair, and they got trained by the same dude. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. um, it's uh, yeah. There's a lot to it. All right, so I'll I'll, I'll think about broadening my horizons then with either flesh or blood or something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, what, about you, right. what have you been playing? Well, what have I been playing and where have I been playing it? So um had a fantastic experience of a bit of a road trip down to Warhammer World mm. uh, with uh, friends uh, Josh and Jamie. It had been planned for like a, a good while. We'd been sort of, myself and Josh had been thinking about like what to play down there. Because mm-hmm. I've been down to Warhammer World once previously didn't play any games we were just like just looking around the exhibition yeah um and so yeah we decided this time that we would play some like multiplayer kill team Mm. um there was a big horus heresy narrative event going on Mm -hmm. so the majority of the sort of bigger tables were taken with that um so we were able to get on to uh sort of probably three foot by three foot uh sector mechanicus board um and so yeah we thought like yeah multiplayer kill team would be a great way to go and that's still bigger than a standard kill team board right it is yeah it is so there's they put rules out gw put rules out for three or four player kill team right um 
in one of the annuals or some time ago. Um, and what they said there was that the two of the regular kill team boards, so 22 mm -hmm. by 30, mm -hmm. I think, uh, you would put two of those next to each other mm -hmm. to basically make what is currently a 500.40k board. Got you. And oh, yes. Yeah. So the Borden Patrol. Borden Actions, yeah. Borden Actions size board. Uh, sorry, no, not Borden Actions because Borden that's, on, that's on a, Yeah, that's a, yeah. Uh, Borden Patrol. Exactly yeah. right. Borden Actions is on like a slightly weirdly shaped board yeah. that's different. Anyway, so we were playing on this board. Um, and just, just a fantastic experience. So I had my Compendium Orcs, who aren't great, but I just really like playing them because I like I like painting them. Same ones that I played against. That's right. Great, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's like a, a second edition Orc in there and a couple of second edition yeah. uh, Grots. So yeah, they're fun. And uh, my friend Jamie, he was playing with some Custodies. Mm -hmm. um, so you only get like four guys. Yeah but they've got like 18 and 19 wounds. <laughs> so they, they, they hang around for a while. Is Jimmy the same guy that he played here in order to go with? Uh, yes. Yeah, yep. nice. Same guy, same guy. Uh, no, sorry. At the club, that was Ben. Ben. I have coincidentally recently also played jamie oh. uh, aeronautica but you didn't know that no, so I didn't, that would have yeah. been that would have yeah. been amazing if you figured <laughs> yeah. that out yeah. um and I'm josh creepy. was bringing his yeah <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you looking at uh, josh was uh playing his crew um so it's a uh, the 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 kinstalker the farstalker kinband kin yeah i think that's what they're called kinstalker forband something like that yeah um but yeah, it was it was just great. It was fantastic. It was like um, so it was a really close game as far as it goes. So it was like eleven to eight to eight. Mm. But just the experience of you know being in the gaming hall, you know, in amongst like this massive tournament that was going on in the background. Mm -hmm. so it was like sort of interesting to see that. And yeah, I don't know. I think you sort of like you know the hobby is you know not necessarily about endpoints. It's about doing. It's yeah. about like you know. You, you paint not necessarily to get to somewhere, but because of the process is fun in itself. Mm -hmm. And the same with games. You get good at games or better at games, not necessarily to be the best, but just because of the experience. Mm -hmm. All of that said, when you're playing in like the gaming hall at Warhammer World yep. on like amazing, it was a Sector Mechanicus board. So there was like two or three stories. So, you know, normal games are played on like, uh, like, you know, either a paper board or, or a map. Yeah. which is great but when the whole board is terrain yeah not great to roll dice on you do need a dice tray yeah but it does just help with that level of immersion, immersion it just totally. makes it cool it yeah. just makes it so cool and like just we were just like looking at each other like daft idiots for the first two turns going this is class yeah this is class um so yeah it's like yeah for all it's not about like getting to an end point it did feel like you know playing a game at warhammer world was like this is a good reason to have done all that painting yeah and all of that you know playing that's got yeah. you to the point of knowing the rules and blah 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 mm. just absolutely fantastic um we then had uh some food in bugman's which was better than i expected actually really? not too bad mm -hmm. um and then went around the exhibition which is just it's completely incredible was it it's the second time round. have you been down never never i mean it's amazing it's partly partly it's amazing because well, the things that are amazing about it for me are that you're seeing, particularly at the start of it, and not wanting to give too many spoilers in case you or anybody else goes down, but you're seeing stuff, you know, like little dioramas by Mike McVeigh, but mm -hmm. you've seen advertising uh, games like Space Crusade or Space Hulk or whatever, yeah. um, you know, in the early 1990s, mm -hmm. but they're there. And it's basically like somebody's taken one of your childhood memories 
put it in a glass cabinet, yeah. lit it very nicely, <laughs> and and you can go and look at it for yeah. like seven quid. Uh, uh, as another thing, as far as GW goes, of everything that GW flogs yeah. in the whole world, seven pounds to go around the exhibition and look at all this amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. How big is it? Um, so there's a big room for Age of Sigma, mm-hmm. which has probably got like say let's say seven big dioramas in it. Mm-hmm. The same for forty k slash Horus Heresy. Mm-hmm. I think they're all in the same room. Some astonishing stuff with Titans. Yeah. Some absolutely astonishing stuff with with Titans. There's and then there's one there's a one super famous uh, diorama, which like I don't know the numbers. It's just it's got like thousands of miniatures in it. It's um it's basically like um the ultramarines are being stormed at the top of this you know mega cathedral and they've actually got it in like a stairwell yeah so I'm I'm giving myself up here for not knowing the name of this battle this is coming from but whatever for some ultramarines there's like defilers climbing over the top of this thing it's mm-hmm. massive it's it's on like a like a double is it stairwell is it meant to be calf it's not calf it's something else it's not it's not heresy it's era it's like 40k you all oh, right okay but um yeah it's just it's just astonishing the whole thing's astonishing there's like you've seen good painting but then there's something there's something amazing about seeing like the the miniatures that you you know well if you've bought a codex yeah. or if you've bought an mm-hmm. army book or whatever it is there's some of the old world stuff still there mm-hmm. um you, you're like that's the actual miniature you know that's the gilliman or that's the this and, and yeah. it looks incredible and yeah. you're like i know that darren latham's painted that or i know yeah. that somebody's done this Latham's a beast isn't he um so yeah just just absolutely fantastic experience to be honest and we came back from that all agreed you know what an amazing day and just like you know you're sort of like hobby you know, bottle had been completely topped up. Yeah. And, maybe that's, uh, maybe that's why I've been painting. Yeah, get yourself yeah. down to Warhammer yeah. World, man. Maybe that's like why I've sort of been painting a, a fair bit the last little while. But just, you know, a fantastic experience, a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and Kill Team worked really good as a game because the mental load isn't as big as like 40K or yeah. just there isn't as much stuff that you need yeah. to do. Um, narratively, it worked really well. I think the game came down basically to one custodian instead of sitting on the point, he like nipped up some stairs, tried to take out a crew, missed or, f- or fluffed it. Mm-hmm. That crew then nipped on to take the point and, you know, took the objective at, at the Amazing. end of the game. And, and that was basically like how the game sort of went. Um, yeah. Just yeah, really, really, really good. good. Yeah. Awesome. Absolutely fantastic. So yeah. So everything else I could say is going to pay out a little bit in comparison <laughs> yeah. to that. But elsewhere... Um, have also been playing some uh, Underworlds, particularly at the at the club at West Allotment Wildlands. Yeah. So I painted my Ari's purifiers, and I got to play with them. And you did eyes; they look great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Um, they're great models, and and they play they play really nicely. I mean, there's not a huge amount of rerolls mm-hmm. in Underworlds, not not compared to some games, mm-hmm. but like, so they each have one reroll per model for mm-hmm. the game and you, there's some shenanigans where you can swap them around and do different mm-hmm. things but yeah just having re-rolls they're very they're, they're only three wounds each so which is hardly any for uh, underworld yeah, they die is. very easily but you having that re-roll kind of like mitigates against that and uh, I was playing against Josh's uh, Slanesh what are they called it's the other guys off the Diachasm book uh, the Dread the Dead Pageant or the Dread Pageant Dread Pageant I think. yeah, yeah. And their whole thing is about there being so many wounds taken between both sides mm-hmm. and then they all inspire and that's their ah. sort of secret thing. So they want to take wounds the on themselves. Agonies. Exactly. They want to take wounds on themselves and you in order for them to, you know, do their business. To flip. 
Um, but yeah, really good. Good game. Just still enjoying Underworlds. Yeah, it's and, cool. Yeah. And playing with a with like a new faction that was new to me mm-hmm. just like gives a bit of extra Keeps flavor to that. Yeah. Yep. And then I was meant to be having a game of Frostgrave. So, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, my opponent wasn't able to make it. And these things happen, yeah. and that's fine. Um, but that did at least get me into, you know, writing a list for Frostgrave. Yep. And thinking about, like, how I want that to work. So I'm going with uh, an illusionist. Yeah, man. So loads of movement shenanigans. So looking through the spells, lots of things where you can swap two guys around. Does the illusionist have the wall? Uh, I think... The- I don't think so. Hmm. Is that a sigilist? I don't know. I might, I'm probably it's wrong. Very good. You can just pop a wall down. Yeah. The, very good. The illusionist has got fool's gold, which like it probably doesn't reflect on me well that this appeals to me. But like when somebody else picks up some treasure, you can just like cast a spell and treasure isn't theirs anymore and it scatters four inches or something like that. It's <laughs> obviously going to be very annoying yeah. towards the end of the game. But um, yeah, Frostgrave is something I'm definitely looking to play Great some of. Yeah. Um, super elegant system. Mm-hmm. I think I said before, like you, you roll one d twenty, and then so does the other person that you you're attacking, or vice versa, mm-hmm. and that kind of determines everything. Yeah, a lot of things happen from one dice roll, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's it. That's it for games played. But um, yeah, get down to Warhammer World. Yeah. Let's do a road trip or something. Yeah, because, um, it was. Yeah, it's it'll. There's some. There's some. There's just so much stuff to sort of like just just eye candy to marvel at. Yeah. Um. And and to see people playing in the gaming hall, playing like a narrative event. I mean, the place has got like it's got like a big. It's part of a sculpted castle around the outside of it. All it's right. Kind of a bit ridiculous mm-hmm. at the top, but then you know these things are. Um. But yeah, just a great experience. Yeah, sounds it. Does sound it. Anyway, talking of games workshop. Yeah. Should we fire into this exciting new segment that we're proposing? Yes, let's do it. So I'm, I'm going to, I can probably lead on mm-hmm. from what I was just talking about there. So um, the, the segment is Good GW, Bad GW. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows that if you want anyone to watch or listen to you, then you need to be talking about Games Workshop. Yeah. And we do a fair bit anyway. But just to make sure that we're definitely talking about Warhammer every episode, we're going to do this piece where we're perhaps lightly satirizing the fact that, you know, people maybe put a little much too much store in what this one company is doing in mm-hmm. the hobby mm-hmm. possibly some people have like whole youtube channels about it yeah. despite not being happy about it yeah not naming any names nope. so anyway what we're gonna do every episode is we're either gonna give games workshop a, a waggle of our finger mm-hmm. or a pat on the back okay what have they done to you personally daryl that has been you know an attack i don't know a, an aggression or has made your life wonderful this month? Um, so, something that I'm frustrated about that I've just learned today from somebody in our uh, Discord is that Fleshy Air Quotes, now 40k, I know I dump on quite a lot. Age of Sigma is a fantastic game, by the way. Um, I, so, I, I don't just hate GW, it's just 40k. Um, and Age of Sigma is a fantastic game, very interesting game, plays really well competitively. Um, and I've been really excited by the Flesh Eater Courts releases. I don't know if you've seen any of them, but they look so good. I have so seen good. them. They've yeah. just they've just been released. There's like the big massive guy, yeah. which is basically like Who's a new Mortarch, yeah. yeah. But so actually, do you know, I don't know if you've seen it, but my favourite sculpt, and I, and I can't believe how on their head they actually got a sculpt that 
fits the theme of an army so well. I don't think they've ever, in any system, ever done it before. So there's a judge. I was going to say, yeah. There's a judge. His gavel is a bone. And his wig is intestines. And that just fits that completely dislodged from reality, um, sort of nobility, false nobility, sort of... Delusions fever of grandeur, dream isn't it? that they're living in yeah and the whole thing yeah and i was and i'm just blown away by them and i'm already like saving and planning my army and this that and the other and i thought all of these new releases surely that crap set of models which you need quite a lot of is going to get updated that being ghouls okay ghouls have been around since the 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 these, old world days yeah, yeah, yeah. still exactly the same and they're okay models, but compared to all of the new stuff, they're going to stand out by a mile. I can't believe they wouldn't do a re-sculpt of um, Ghouls. Mm. I just feel like it's insane. Because it's something that you need a lot of. They've shown that they can re-sculpt Death Rattle Skeletons. They've re-sculpted Zombies. They both came out absolutely amazing. There's no reason not to. Okay, so it's a waggle of your finger at Games Workshop for not doing new ghouls. Um, Amazing job. So for all of the fleshy echo yeah. stuff that's been teased, ghouls, man, niche, come on, niche. just fix them. Okay, yeah. so what your ghouls you? um, I'm, I'm you ghouls I'm, I'm giving Games Workshop a big thumbs up just mm -hmm. for the staff at Warhammer World. I'm going Good. back to Warhammer World. Yeah. Um, and, you know, being a bit silly with this, with this segment and stuff, but I... Something that I do think is the case is people talk about Games Workshop as if it was like one monolithic entity, one thing. It kind of is, though, isn't it? It's a bit of a beast. No, sorry, I'm. I'm oh, I'm, sorry, I GW as as an yeah. People talk it's about AI. it as if it was a person. Yeah, yeah you know, it's Skynet. Like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's like it's it's a group of people. James Workshop. It's yeah. a group of people that like you know some of some people uh, towards the top of the organization are making decisions which then have an impact on all sorts of other things yeah. and that's that's fine um but yeah people are like oh gw did this gw did that well somebody somewhere at mm -hmm. gw did and then everyone else agreed with it and then they yeah. did the thing but yeah just the staff at um, warhammer world were like yeah just the customer service was amazing they were like super infused mm -hmm. about what was going on and i'm talking about the people who like meet you at reception mm -hmm. talking about the people who um sort your table out when mm -hmm. you're trying to figure out where you're meant to be playing the people who are in the shop and who are like talk letting you into the exhibition and all of this and it was that lovely thing of where customer service is really good but not like pushy like it can be in certain yeah. stores when you go in and the first question immediately is what you're working on and you're yeah. like aha the code word <laughs> um yeah just really excellent just um and I, I guess it probably makes sense that they would have some of their i don't know better or you know most excellent staff work and sort of like the flagship yeah. place that makes sense but um yeah it just helps you think make it's like it. willy wonka like if you do really well in a gw store you get the golden ticket and get to work at warhammer world maybe i don't know i mean effectively warhammer world is just the warhammer store for nottingham just a massive one just a big one yeah, yeah. um so yeah. instead of a few foam hills on the table you've got mm. essentially just a treasure trove a lot um, but yeah, it was just a salutary reminder that like all companies are just like a mixture of people. Absolutely. 
And, uh, and yeah, and I, I guess it must be, I don't know, it must be kind of dispiriting when the company's getting slated and you're working for them. And, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's just a few people yeah. that are like really making decisions that have massive impacts. Mm-hmm. I guess. I think there's a lot of decisions that get made or maybe things that don't make sense to people as well. I know there's a lot of things where people get really arsy about, um, production. Yeah of things under production things like that so i think that's something that we can give them a wag of a finger about because the legionus uh, the legionus imperial stuff sold out really really quickly they oversold on the web store they had to pull some promised orders to local As game this stores again right okay yeah right so yeah no 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 yeah but um so something that i think a lot of people can't conceptualize is that aos 3 is due out next year i think um the boxes for that even though we don't know about them are already in production yeah they'll be printing it yeah and so things sometimes come a year or two in advance so for 10th edition that'll have been being made for a year or two in advance yeah um uh, so it's not quite the same as oh the, they've got the forges on for a couple of weeks and everything sorted you know it's a, there's a lot of logistics involved in a global campaign um with you know synchronized release dates and things like that uh, it's not quite as easy so fair you know fair comment to them it's it's not just a case of oh you know we didn't have the 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 um presses running for long enough or whatever yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I know they had problems with like rule books because I think they get their their books printed in China and get them sent over. So the literature stuff um, gets printed there, but then the models get made in England. So having all of that come together, get it shipped over and then packaged and all that kind of stuff gets difficult too. Whilst maintaining an always cheery tone yeah. on the Warhammer community website where yeah. everything's great and everything's fantastic. Yeah. It must be. It must be. Yeah, it must be. Um, I don't know what's the comparison. I can't think of a comparison job, but just having to have that permanent sort of like rictus grin on your face yeah. as you're typing things out about yeah. like, oh, this is great. Everything, everything's fantastic. Everything's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Good old GW. Yeah. Good um, and bad GW. Well done and bad on you. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um. So into the main topic. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about hobby gear. We're talking about the good, the bad, and the stuff that we haven't tried yet. Mm-hmm. Um. We been doing this between us for a considerable bunch of years um and yeah we've definitely probably picked up some amount of wisdom and experience mm. but like i was saying before it's interesting everybody hobbies differently and uses different tools and products absolutely yeah and all of that's fine um so, my yeah. lunch may vary so get in touch with us after this definitely and tell us why we're wrong yeah or what great product we've missed out or whatever but um, and also, it's worth mentioning. We did reach out to some uh, some friends mm-hmm. on the West Allotment Wildlings Discord. We did, and on Instagram, just for some suggestions about what one thing people have you know bought or acquired, which has you know had the biggest impact on their mm-hmm. sort of hobbying life. Um, so first of all, we're going to run through each of our top five mega amazing hobby gear game changers. We are. We we'll both get our phones out to remind ourselves what so we've picked. We've done this in secret. Uh, and then we'll just have a run through, you know, paints, brushes, mm-hmm. um, glues, base and stuff, all of that. So how are we going to do this? So we're going to go from one to five. You do your one, then I do my one. Then you do your two, then I do my two. Or we're going from five to one. Well, I haven't put mine in order. Oh, right. Okay. Mine, mine isn't like, a, mine is just five things. Have you, okay. have you, is so your I'm number no, one better I than your number five? I haven't, but I am going to read from top to bottom. And then if any clash, then we'll just find out on the way. Well, look, why don't you do yours? Should we do one each? 
you do all of yours, and all if, of if I've got any of yours, I'll shout bingo or something. Right. And uh, <laughs> okay, and then we'll take it from there. Right. So, number one, a bloody good brush. Um, we'll talk a little bit about brushes and brands later. Okay. My preference is Raphael Eight Four Four. Um, I think if you find a good large brush with a big belly and a sharp point, um, it makes you, uh, it gives you the best chance that you can of doing well with paint because you're not fighting with the brush. Um, it also teaches you a bit of, um, well, it should teach you a bit of control because you don't want to just slap stuff on because you'd be at risk of damaging your nice expensive brush. Um, and it teaches you a little bit about brush cleaning as well, doesn't it? Because, um, uh, you know, maintenance of your brush afterwards. Yeah. Got to have a good brush. Bloody good brush. Do you remember when, when you moved, did you have like a sort of moment of Damascene enlightenment when you moved from like not good brushes to like one really good brush and you were like, whoa, this is, this is the way. Yeah, kind of. So I had for all the many many years that i painted prior to um, so maybe about 10 years ago i started buying decent brushes and before that it was just gw ones that i got in sets yeah i used some army painter ones that i had got you know as like a, a sort of a gift um i had used art shop or like you know like buy a packet of 20 of them from wilco's sort of yeah crap um uh, and then I, as a treat to myself, uh, because I started to get into the not just painting things so that they're painted and painting things so that they maybe look good, um, I bought myself some Windsor & Newton Series 7s. Right. And they are decent brushes. I find them a bit soft for my liking. They don't have as much snap as I like. Um, and from there, got a little bit of a, a fetish to uh, buy and nicer brushes and seeing how i get on the overarching champion being of course 8404s but i have tried a good few brands now um so yeah i think about 10 years ago i made a switch i know there's lots of chat about to be had about um animal cruelty and things like that and it mm -hmm. is a bit of a feels bad thing yeah uh, and i have tried a lot of synthetic semi-synthetic all that kind of stuff and the, the you just can't get the same feel However, um, I did find, as a synthetic option, the Green Stuff World green synthetic brushes to be very good. Yep. They just, as all synthetics do, end up with a hook tip. Yep. And, and then they're knackered. Yeah, yeah. I would echo that as well. Yeah, mm. I, I haven't, I've, I've tried the Green Stuff World synthetic brushes, mm -hmm. and they are definitely better. They're, like, if you want something for painting metallics or yeah. something like that where it's probably not great for no, a really nice I, brush. Absolutely. But you want a bit more control than like a bog standard synthetic brush, and mm -hmm. those are definitely worth a look. But yeah, there's there's nothing like, uh, yeah, a, a, a good, good stable, stable brush, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and those those brands are some of the ones which make those. Yeah. And right. I suppose as an attachment to that, it wasn't on my list, but some Masters brush soap, which is all part of the same thing Yeah. Um, for brush maintenance. So sorry, that's a sixth. All right. And an adjacent. That's, yeah, that's fine. Go for it. What's up? Uh, next is a, a wet palette. Bingo. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Good man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you know, every, a lot of people have said this, you know, that we've sort of having chats about. I mean, yeah. it is a massive 
it doesn't, game make, it doesn't make you a better painter, but it makes your workflow easier. Yeah, it gives you a chance of being better. Exactly, exactly. It definitely makes your workflow easier. I think it gets you used to thinning your paints because it sort of does it by proxy anyways. Yeah. Um, and um, it just helps with not having that battle where you end up inevitably loading your brush with some paint that's a little bit too dry now, and then you get the you overpaint a little bit because it comes off in a big blob and then you get frustrated and then blah, blah, blah. You, it takes a lot of that stuff out. It also means that you can put the lid on it, walk away, go have a cup of tea, come back. It's still ready to use. And you're not What's wasting. the longest amount of time you've come back to paints on a wet palette and and had a go at using them again? 48 hours, I think. Yeah, 48 hours. Because I don't think... Sometimes I do that just, just to see. Just to see what happens, probably, yeah. probably, It's not going to be as good. I should get more paint out, but I just want to see if, it's it, if it'll work. changed a lot since I've changed brand, and we'll talk about that later. But um, So the brand that I use now, very hydrophilic, and mm. they over-dilute very quickly on a wet palette. So I tend to run my wet palette a bit drier. Drier, okay. Yeah. Um, so for anyone that doesn't use a wet palette, well, first of all, have you got a homemade job? or No, a, uh, green a oiled one, nice and cheap. Um, I think it was about 15 quid. It's the mm -hmm. big one. It comes with, it's just a rip-off, a Redgrass Games one, essentially. But you get a couple of the, you get a couple of spare bits of foam. So you get three bits of foam in it, I think. And then like 30 sheets of the paper that goes on it. But essentially, it's a Tupperware, for lack of better description, with a bit of sponge in it that you put some greaseproof paper on top. Um and it base baking parchment baking parchment sorry grease proof paper. You, you want some osmosis going on you there. do yeah you want to, you want to create a concentration gradient that's it so you so do. yeah just not to be uh so grease proof paper if it's waterproof will stop the water coming through precisely so what we're looking yeah. for is but grease proof paper is only waterproof membrane. in one direction isn't it is it so yeah. if you put it the right way around it would be okay All I right. don't know I haven't tried talking about my backside okay. yeah uh so yeah that. I think it is really good. A cool little tip that I learned, okay. which I'm going to be um, applying to mine. We're, we're always given value here. Yeah. Put a load of pennies underneath mm. it. Stops Copper, it molding. Stops it from getting mouldy, which is something that can happen. And when you... So so are all, do all British pennies have copper in them? Pass. Okay. Well, you can get copper works, tape if you yeah. want to spend some more money. Mm. You can get copper tape to do it, which is, I think, the preferable way to do it. But... I've had that problem once where it went mouldy, mm -hmm. and then it never has done again. I've also heard put a tiny bit of fairy liquid in. Oh, right, okay. Uh, or, you know, other washing. Some suffocant. Available. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, wet palette, wet fantastic. Palette. Fantastic, I yeah. Mean, if, you have, if you're not using one, go on YouTube and find out how to make one very easily. Very easily, very easy. And I think yeah. I used my, uh, I used a homemade one for probably about three years and it worked absolutely fine. I just happened to go into a local game store and there was one there and I was trying to support it. So I was like, I'll buy one. Yeah, sure. So this might be a theme. I'm still on the homemade one. I'm, you know, keeping things. Just cheap. like your dice tray. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you kindly put some foam in for me. I was very happy about. So I just like to have, you know, lots of uses for Tupperware, yeah. dice trays. I mean, <laughs> yeah, palette. it doesn't look flash, sandwiches, but, yeah. you know, it does the job. Anyway, yeah, what's next? Um, next is a, a good set of flush cutters. So okay. they're, they're the nippers that you take things from sprues with. Um, the GW ones that you can get and the sort of like the ones that you get in cheapy hobby kits, they're usually the blue handle plastic clippers, are very big not very sharp and they cause a lot of stress to the plastic around they sometimes don't chop the plastic they squeeze it exactly into different shapes yeah precisely yeah and that's not really good for the plastic 
um, and it just makes cleanup a bit difficult and things like that. Okay. Um, so is this as well as a sort of no instead of so this is your one one cutter to one snipper to rule them all unless you're using metal right yeah yeah then i just use a pair of the cheapy ones for metal um so if you're playing infinity or whatever i've got metal miniatures um but yeah so redgrass games do some the gold standard are called god hand the single blade ones um but you can also buy rip-offs on amazon for about 15 16 quid are these god's hand ones are these sort of for gundam is or is that like they, so like people Japanese use them or? for gundam and the reason why people are so keen on them for gundam is because they're so sharp and they cause no stress to the plastic yeah um it's really important because you don't paint gundams they're just clipped mm-hmm. from the sprue when put together so as you'll have seen before when you cut with crap cutters it creates that white sort of streaky appearance on yep. the plastic doesn't happen with good clippers basically yeah i mean i i've had some of the sort of old gw metal handed clippers with the the ready brown sort of the ready brown and, and then when i first got them they were pretty good mm-hmm. they're not pretty good now mm-hmm. i had an incident where trying to open and <laughs> take the security thing off a bottle of whiskey with them and they yeah, I was I had been drinking other yeah. drinks, which is why I did that. So yeah, they're completely knackered now. So I'm yeah. in the market for some new snippers. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, have a go, mine before you leave. But the 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 they're just so much more pleasant to use. And it, it was a bit of a joke at the club. We did a charity day, and John, oh, one of the lads from club, rocked up with this sort of fishing tackle box full of like. And I mean, some of them looked like he had been trying to take security tags off lots of bottles of lots of bottles yeah and i was just like these are these are a nightmare i'm trying to build models and like i'm making more work for myself then one of the lads plug plunked down a set of the red grass cream stuff and like we kind of shared them around and people were like because i'd never tried them before wow and i was like yeah this is what you need to have like you you know these and and it feels like it's the kind of thing where you'll pay six or seven quid for a crap pair or 15 quid for a good pair and like just wait an extra month if you if you know if you need to save or whatever well, how much do you value your own time because you the amount of cleanup that you're doing exactly you know, you're, yeah you're not doing this hobby without cutting a lot of things off some sprues exactly probably so yeah it's and you it's can massive because difference because they're flush cutters they're completely flat and they're small you yeah. can get in all the little nooks and crannies and get nice smooth cuts um so they are very high on the list for me cool um super glue accelerator if you are in the um market for smaller games like uh, i like um or use 3d printed mini- miniatures things like that super glue accelerator saves you so much time and hassle if you play infinity you'll know that for sure so it's not bingo it's not a house it's a line though because i did have this in my sort of like uh you know other honorable Stuff. mentions yep. yeah it's what a difference oh my god I... it is just do you know about uh, do you know of any like so, like super glue in anything, whether it's metal mm-hmm. or resin, mm-hmm. is, is more likely to be the case yep. for, for stuff that I would do. So, uh, are there any super glues which like dry a bit quicker or something? Because that you know, just having to hold it there. I mean, and, and the accelerator is fantastic for mm-hmm. this, and it basically solves this problem. Yeah. But like, just having you know to hold it there for ages, try not to move or breathe or something mm-hmm. because you're gonna like ruin the, no. the the connection point. Not that I know of. Yeah. Not that I know of. I've got like vivid memories been in my head of trying to build wolf god terminators in like the late 90s yeah. with super glue like a tube of loctite and everything was glued except for the miniature yeah, yeah, yeah. um so yeah super glue accelerator unbelievable bit of game changer i don't think like it doesn't like well to me what it seems like it does is it just uh 
it cures it enough that it will hold. Oh no, instant. The so the stuff that I use is like instant set. But do you blow on it? Mm. So I usually just put some super glue on, close the joint so that I know where it's going, and just put a tiny little spray on it. And then if you blow on it, you see it like cloud up and just cure instantly. Okay. I guess what I'm meaning is that you you know where the where it's with as any super glue that's it's exposed to the air, mm -hmm. you're gonna see that cloud up. Mm -hmm. But then anything which is sort of like more into the joint is mm -hmm. probably gonna but but it it'll cure quick enough. Oh yeah. But the whole thing, you know, overnight or whatever is gonna cure rock and rock it, it, hard. It, it probably and it holds it in place effectively. And know? it's less brittle yeah. than when you, you use normal um just super glue on its own. Okay, brilliant. Uh, so yep, definitely recommend that. And the last one is an absolute hobby must for me, and I think you might agree with me now is oil washers bingo bingo good man <laughs> yeah uh, specifically i've said for the the faint of heart or the new oil user save yourself some money don't have to go and buy special brands Winsor newton lamp black Winsor newton burnt umber if you've got those two you can do any wash that you need to do pretty much there you've got your known oil and you've got your well, it's not it's not exactly agrax, but it's it's brown. Agrax, yeah, agrax esque. Yeah, yeah, and then you can, but just by mixing those two, you can go yeah. across this sort of spectrum, mm, of huge spectrum. Yeah, and yeah. you can really take them down to very the grey. The black goes down to almost a grey, yeah. and the the you can almost get a sepia out of the um, sepia out of the 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 burnt umber. But yeah, phenomenal. Definitely, and, and I think it's changed the way that I work in in almost every project that I do. Yep. Yeah. So I had. I did have that down, but I had it as sort of uh, streaking grime or enamel washes yep. slash oil washes yep. sort of grouped together because the process or the application is pretty similar. So mm -hmm. you, like, you're putting this stuff onto the model after yep. at a certain point in the process, whether it's like you've done some base coated or mm -hmm. whether you've like basically finished the thing. Yeah. And then it's reductive method. So you apply using more like mineral spirits or white spirit or whatever mm -hmm. to like clean it off. Yeah. Well, you don't even need to use any of that. You can no, just as like, long take, as not fully cured, take yeah. a bit of like an old knackered t-shirt that you've chopped up or something and mm -hmm. just like wipe it off. Yeah. Then, and that's going to leave it pretty grimy, depending again on how much you've diluted the oils or the uh, streaking grime. So the first one that I got was AK Interactive and that, that was a game changer. It's great. Yeah. because uh, I was painting a Necron army and I more or less just painted them silver um, and then slapped all this on. And with these products, the way that it dries is just more natural and more natural-esque or whatever yeah. the right word is. It looks, you know, more more representative of the, the grime and dirt in the real yeah, world than yeah. known oil or acrylic washers, basically. Yeah, exactly. And you 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 don't have the risk of those hot, nasty sort of tea stains and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, that's the top five. Brilliant. Um, so I'll go with the few that I've got, which you haven't mentioned. Um, number one that I put down, and this is uh, something that um, Liam, um, fellow member of West Allotment Wildlands, had said, mm -hmm. and it's absolutely, yeah, I agree completely, is it an actual hobby space? Yeah. So this isn't a product that you can go out and buy, but having somewhere that's sort of permanently set up where all you need to do is sit down, get some paints out, get mm -hmm. some paintbrushes out, that isn't also a dining table, mm -hmm. that isn't preferably a work table. I mean, mine might have worked from home and it is yeah, it's the same I'm desk. I'm kind of in that, but I've got a bit of separation. Yeah. It's basically the same desk, but, um, but you know, I've got all my paints like on some shelves and they're ready to go and all the hobby stuff's in a drawer and it can come out and, and it's mm -hmm. all happening very quickly. 
just having that sorted gets rid of this massive barrier, yeah. which might not seem like a massive no, it barrier. No, it is. But it's not the first couple of times you do it, but when you do it three times, four times, five times, the build-up and tear-down of the the space is a pain in the backside. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, you've been talking about hobby motivation. Yep. If you're on the borderline of like whether you've got the motivation to do it. hobby stuff and you've got to like, mm. do three things before the space is ready... Clear the kids' homework up and then give it a wipe down and then make sure you don't spill any paint anywhere because you're going to get... Yeah. It's not going to happen, is it? Um, okay. Um, well, number done. one. Well done, Liam. That was a really good suggestion. Yeah, yeah. great suggestion. And it's it's absolutely right. Um, so for my next one, uh, I'm going for another AK interactive thing, but Ultramat Varnish. Oh, yeah. You put me onto this. It is great. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's, I think it's, it's a, kind of an amazing product because of how matte it is. Yep. It's called Ultramat. They're, they're not but it, about. But it's Ultramat. It it's is really, really yeah. Um, and why I like it or why it was such a sort of game changer is because partly when contrast paints came out, and I found myself painting, you know, a lot of miniatures which would have some contrast mm -hmm. paints on them, some different contrast paints on them. And then some more traditional uh, opaque paints and then some metallics. And mm -hmm. so you get like a lot of different finishes across the yeah. model. And it's only a small thing, but like the eye either consciously or subconsciously totally notices it. Yeah. And what you're looking at is uh, a painted... Well, what you're looking at, you, you realise it's a painted miniature rather than the thing that it's meant to represent. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, breaks the fourth wall or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you put this stuff on and it just gives the whole miniature the same finish, which is very matte, which I generally probably prefer. I like, yeah. Rather than satin or certainly not so much gloss. But no. yeah, um, I, I do prefer things very matte, partly because if you are going to take a picture of them, it's sort of like I find it helps a lot um, not to have, you know, weird bits of reflective it, light coming off. I think off. it look, makes light look more natural, doesn't it? I think yeah. there's that, yeah. Um, so yeah, just fantastic stuff. Love it, really love great. It, love and it, like, love it, love it. it comes in a bottle, and it's, I'm still in the first one I ever bought. It lasts forever. I have, I've still I bought a bottle. You can see over there, but I've still got the little dropper really? that yeah. you gave us. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, I've um, used it on quite a few. I'm bits. sure it goes for an airbrush fantastically. It does. That's why I use it on you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I paint it on, and it goes on fine, and mm -hmm. it doesn't doesn't look like it's been brushed on. Um, mm -hmm. and obviously it would be quicker if I had an airbrush, but yeah, fantastic stuff. Um, next I've got a hairdryer. Just that is an, a good show. An honest yeah. to goodness hairdryer. My hobby desk is quite close to where my, my partner's getting ready desk. So, yeah, she wouldn't be listening to this. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I use her hairdryer and it's a pretty good hairdryer. But, like, the if you're using, depends what paints you're using, but just generally reduces the drying time of anything. If you're working on one model in particular, rather yeah. than like batch painting, army mm -hmm. painting. Uh, it reduces the drying time down to like a couple of seconds. Yep. You do want to be a bit careful about blasting it too, too much, hard. So hot, you're actually yeah. pushing paint or wash or contrast paint, you mm -hmm. know, probably more so with your like uh, more fluid paints yep. into, a into a particular direction. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do that. You just want it to dry. Um, but yeah, it just, just speeds up the, you know, having to wait anytime. Be very careful with resin miniatures as well. Yeah. Makes and, resin floppy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, be careful with plastic miniatures as well. Um, I was just going to come on to the other reason I use it other than just making paint dry quick is when putting on decals or transfers. Yeah. So you. I know like people, probably some people might be listening to this and saying Microsol and Microset because that's what you're meant to use when you put transfers on. 
all I've ever done with transfers, and I can't remember who I heard this off. I think it might have been Andy Burdis, mm-hmm. Andy from um, uh, Blackjack, Blackjack Legacy AC, yeah. YouTube channel. Um, just put your transfer on wherever it's going to be. Don't bother varnishing, no gloss varnish, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And just hair dry it hot enough that it melts the transfer into place, mm-hmm. but doesn't melt the model. I've got uh, an apothecary with like some wonky bits where like, but I learned <laughs> you had this. Went past, yeah. I learned this on. But um, yeah, but it, it, it really will do the same thing. I, I assume that like uh, Microsoft does in, in mm-hmm. terms of like melting the transfer. Yeah. Particularly if you're thinking about Space, mach- space, space Marine marines. shoulders, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've got that curved surface. Yeah. You need it to conform to the surface. Totally, yeah. You melt it enough with a hairdryer, then you can just sort of like put it in a place with like a cotton tip yeah. and you're good to go. Nice, 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 nice. And you can yeah. dry your hair with it afterwards. At the same time. Uh, and then lastly, I've got makeup brushes. And again, so this is cheap makeup brushes. Mm-hmm. And this is all about just um, just dry brushing, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're definitely fit for purpose and very budget friendly, aren't they? So, yeah, you can buy like a packet of 10 or whatever for like a few pounds off yeah. eBay. The one that you want, or the ones that you want, is anything with like a domed tip. So like, I'm no makeup artist, mm-hmm. but evidently within the world of makeup, there's like a need for brushes of all sorts of weird, wild shapes. shapes and so, yeah. Most of them are no use. Really, the ones that you want are the domed tips. And and what these are... You always get of, like one or two in a pack, don't you? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The rest of them is like, oh, yeah. oh well, I wonder if, I wonder if my <laughs> partner's got any... ones, yeah. yeah. I don't know what's that. Yeah, that's yeah. no use to anyone. Um. But yeah, and 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 technique wise, I do tend to kind of copy a lot of the things which uh, like Byron, Byron will talk yeah. about, um, who they've got his own, you know, artist opus channel, yeah, range of fancy dry brushes. I've never found the need to sort of like, uh, what's the word, graduate from cheap makeup brushes mm-hmm. to anything much fancier. Mm-hmm. Um, so the key things are just keep it a little bit moist, don't have it dry out. And that avoids the chalkiness. Yeah. So have like a a dampening pad or something similar. Yeah. Have something that you can like practice on. So like I know a lot of people use um use like make like a, a texture pad out yeah. of like old sprues or whatever, mm-hmm. or just have a bit of old sprue lying around so you can see how the paint's going to go onto the model. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, cheap makeup brushes for dry brushing. Yeah. A massive game changer and and. Yeah, they get used on a lot of stuff. And and if you get it just right, if you get just the right amount of moisture on the brush, mm-hmm. the sort of edge highlighting that you can do is particularly on like a vehicle or something, is great. And yeah. you and you can almost use I find you can almost use that to like lay down the edge highlight mm-hmm. and then go back with a, like as a chunky edge highlight. Yeah. And then go back with a smaller brush Extreme, afterwards. Yeah. To really sort of try and sharpen it up. And that that can be a really effective Yeah, thing. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So totally agree. top fives? Done. 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 Um, so we've got a few categories of things to talk about. We'll probably sort of like skip anything that we've talked about mm-hmm. much already. Sure. Um, but yeah, shall we have a run through this? I mean, it may, probably makes sense to start with paints. They're kind of important. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got any ranges that you're really liking or disliking? Yeah. Um, who do. does the best contrast or contrast type of paint? Best metallics? Go for it. As a range in general... Pro Acryl or by Monument Hobbies are far and away my um, favourites. It's a range that I am happy with everything that they do. Um, uh, there's varying degrees of sort of 
uh, like styles of paints have got but everything that they've got is like adequately labeled to be like what it is so um you know they've released some heavy body paints that are called heavy body they've released some satins that are called satins um with different finishes so um yeah but i just think they're vibrant the medium that they use is uh thin almost to the point where it's like thinned pre-thinned for you they are thin paints but but with still loads of opacity and really good coverage Mm -hmm. and they do hands down the best white in the game yeah i mean that sort of that's a category all by itself isn't it and the the bold titanium white it is amazing it's an amazing it really is um so yeah but the the metallics are starting to win me over um I really like their bronzes and I really like some of their higher end golds. There is no gold in the world for me like Necro Gold by Scale 75 though. I think that is the single best gold paint. Okay. So metallic wise, mm-hmm. I, I haven't got any Scale 75 paints, but I hear a lot of people say how great their metallic range is in general or yep. just the golds are no, the same. So, yeah, so I think um, people do like their metallics in general. They yep. use a gel medium instead of a normal acrylic medium, which okay. is strange. Um, it's a bit thicker than your average, so I use a little bit of acrylic thinner mm. in it. See, I like that. I like a paint to come out pretty thick, yeah. but to thin down a lot. Mm-hmm. And as much as I I do really enjoy uh, Pro Acryl. But so, so the bold titanium white. So is is that a heavy body painting? Because because no. that to me comes out a lot thicker than like some of the other ones. Does it? You haven't got the heavy bold titanium white, have you? I don't think so. I don't think so. But um, yeah, I think that uh, it's not a problem. But like, yeah, uh, the the Monument Hobbies Pro Acryl range being pre-thinned mm-hmm. i think if i had an airbrush it would be like it would be genius because yeah. you know i still thin it for an airbrush it's not thin enough for an airbrush outlet, okay but yeah but yeah i, I think i thing. like paints to be a bit thicker than that or a bit more gel than yeah. that when they, when they go out on, onto the wet palette mm-hmm. but yeah yeah still great um, paints. and that is the brand that i was talking about being the hydrophilic brand so run with a slightly drier wet palette um otherwise they attract a lot of water and get over thinned so what what percentage of your painting is pro acryl then 90 percent yeah 90 percent so i mean so everything on those two stands there is is what i paint with day to day um and the only sort of changes to that is if i paint silvers i use vallejo metal color which is the airbrush range the liquid alcohol based uh, but very very thin and insane coverage it's really really good which is those ones on the top there that's the bigger bottles right yeah they alcohol based yeah they're alcohol based Mm -hmm. okay yeah um and uh i have some pastels from ak interactive they're very nice um and i've got a is that third gen? Yeah, AK third gen AK Riders. And and I can't say they're the best pastels in the world because they're the only ones that I've got. Okay. So I, I, I genuinely pastels, don't just talking about the, the tone of the Yeah, so yeah. it's you know, there's pastel green, pastel yellow, pastel, yeah. you know. It's that it's that desaturated but quite opaque. Yeah. Nice. Looks like you could do a shabby chic chair with it kind of. Totally, thing. yeah, yeah. Or or paint some uh, mini eggs. Yeah. So that too. Cool. Um and um for speed paints, contrasts, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I use 
currently I use uh, Vallejo Express pins, so I find mm. them to be much nicer than contrast in finish and the way they work. But I am very Army Painter Speed Point Two or Speed Paint Two Point curious. Yep, and they've just come up with some metallics. So I've just seen a review. Yeah, they've been around for a little while, but uh, the, 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 yeah, Vince, I don't know if it's done a reformulation or anything, but or if it's just the same ones they've had for a little while. I think they've added a couple of colors to the range. Okay. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Cool. Any GW paints which are still holding the line, which you haven't quite found a sort of a replacement for, or that you still hold a place close to your heart? Mm. So currently, because I haven't bought them yet, um, I'm using still for some woods. I use dry, no, not dryad bark. Um, oh God, what's it called? Saigo brown. brown. Saigo brown. No, okay. The contrast. Yep. Saigo brown and gorgon fur. The, the red, brown, and the dark, dark brown. Mm. Um, but Express Color have just released those two colors as well. Um, but like I say, I'm really curious because I, I feel like the Speed Paint 2.0 range has got great opacity. They've got a really good range of covers and colors, and they've got a nice matte finish. And I think that's all the things that I like. Yeah. Um, I don't like contrast because for a couple of reasons. Um, one. I find it pools quite a lot, and then you end up with like a skin that, if you pull it off, it leaves that horrible stain. Yeah, I haven't often babysit it to sort of stop that happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, that that shine that we talked about. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm bigging up AK Interactive Ultramap. It's solving a problem that, like, with other paints, you wouldn't have you in the first have place do, necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah. All right, cool. Um, to add to that, I'm I haven't got a huge amount. I'm gonna say though a massive shout out for um Vallejo model color seventy point nine five oh black. Mm. It's the best black I've ever used. Really? Um it's very, very matte. It's quite thick as it comes out, so it feels gel-ish. I don't I don't I don't imagine it's a gel medium. No. I mean I don't know enough about the chemistry, but you know, it's it's an acrylic paint. Uh it thins down brilliantly, it covers brilliantly. Like doing base rims with it is amazing. It's absolutely spot on. I really want you to take that bottle of Chimera Black with you and try it because that. So I didn't mention my favorite black, Chimera. The uh, the I think it's called the Black. It is. It's the boy. So good, but for all the reasons that you just said, yeah. great coverage, thicker body, thins down a lot, but that it's really matte and base rims just look. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Down, I'll give it a go. Goblin green base rims. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering whether or not to do Warmaster in Goblin green base rims. No, not happening. I'm, I'm not. You, right. you do what you mean. You do you. <laughs> I'll do me. Yeah. Um, a couple of other mentions. Um, the two thin coats range. Mm -hmm. I don't have a huge amount of it, but I've got a few of them with the Kickstarter. Yeah. Nice. Really, really good. Good. Um, there's an ivory in there, which has become my sort of like go-to paint whenever I want something to be lighter, but so you don't want to use white because is it this makes it like an Ushabdi bone. Uh, lighter than that. Lighter. Lighter okay. than that. Um, Screaming school. Yeah, probably there or thereabouts. Um, but yeah, fantastic. And a couple of the metallics are really nice as well. There's uh, a bronze, which. I swapped out Sycorax bronze and started using this instead, mm. and it's really good. And you can sort of tone it up a bit or down a bit to like make it a bit, a bit more coppery or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, lovely paint. 
Um, and just a quick shout out for Ancient Paints. So the silver I'm using at the moment, notwithstanding how good the Vallejo Air range mm -hmm. is, as you mentioned. It's not Vallejo Air, it's Vallejo um, Metal Colour. Because there is a Vallejo mm. Air range, so it's Vallejo Metal Colour. They are pitched as airbrush paints, but right. Vallejo Air and VMC are two different Two different paints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah... Uh, Ancient paints. So um, I'm currently using old from, I don't know, 1995, something like that, uh, GW Chainmail. Yes. And it's somewhere in the region of Lead Belcher, mm -hmm. probably a bit lighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but like, it's just, it's survived the years beautifully. It goes on great. Mm -hmm. One one coat is absolutely sufficient. All you need. Um, And it just, yeah, it's just a joy to use. Metallics can be tricky sometimes, you know, they can either separate out or they're not bound really well yeah. or they're not as shiny as you want or they're too shiny or whatever this stuff is just just what i want from a silver mm -hmm. um so there we go that's paints one side note that i had on do you think where where's the place for a vortex mixer i love it i use mine on every paint that i use okay uh, i don't think it's a must but it bloody saves an old wrist a lot of um, a lot of shaking, uh, especially in some of the thicker body paints that I've got the um, agitator in, mm -hmm. because you'll find that. So one of the problems that I have the with agitator first, stuck sometimes. Yeah, I didn't realize Procol paints even had agitators oh, in. Right, okay. With my first set ones that I bought, because I shaking this one for ages, and it was just so because gunked it's so down. pigment rich, it had got gunked down to the bottom. Mm. Uh, so I like them. Yeah. All right, paints done. Brushes mm -hmm. we've talked about a bit. Yeah. Anything else left to say? Mm, just Raphael A404 for me. That's it. Job tried done. tried Artis Opus, wasn't a big deal. Got Rosemary and Co. Series 33s. They seem to be very long, which is strange. Really long. Yeah. Really yeah. Long. I feel like I'm almost like away from the model when I'm painting with them, yeah. which I found very strange. Uh, but the Nike's brushes, they're yeah. just a bit too long for me. Um, I found the quality control of the Artis Opus variety, Series S, not very good. I got the original Kickstarter. Um, and didn't buy any more after that. And then synthetics we spoke about, GSW, I quite like. Yeah, absolutely. Just one, I mean, we've mentioned Rosemary & Co there. The one thing that, so Rosemary & Co were the first nice brushes that I got. Nice. And it was a massive, massive difference in painting with, you know, whatever GW brush you had or yeah. whatever. So I would absolutely recommend those because they're really good value compared to pretty much any other uh, sort of sable brush you mm -hmm. can find. So yeah, um, Rosemary Co. Series Thirty Three. Mm -hmm. If you're currently just using synthetic brushes, yeah. just get like a size one of those and see how you get on with it. Mm -hmm. um, they're fantastic for for the absolutely for the price that yeah. they're coming in at. Um, I don't know what it is like eight quid or something yeah. like that, um, which is yeah almost a, half the price a of some lot, of the others. A yeah. lot less yeah. than especially Windsor and Newton. Yeah, miles less than that. Um, we've talked about Super Glue Accelerator. Mm -hmm. um, Glues, what are you using? Uh, I use Tamiya Extra Thin. Okay. Um, I still use quite a lot of Revel, just because it's in the shop that's near us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just oh, Colour Forge plastic glue. Okay. Good, yeah. Um, it's just, I think it's just the same sort of stuff that GW use. Right. But, um, but I do like Extra Thin for finer models, because, because it's so thin, you can just use a bit of capillary reaction where you just push fit the two parts together, and then you t touch it to the area and it just wicks into the gap yep. and bonds, which is really cool. And I think 
Was that voted for by someone? I think a lot of people when we when we asked for suggestions were mentioning Tamiya Extra Thin. I know yeah. Stephen was. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's great stuff. It comes because the bottle's got like a little applicator mm-hmm. um, built into it. That's a bugbear of mine with it, by the way. Not a fan of that? No, because you you, you can never get to the bottom. So did you, you know? You can pull the brush out. Yeah. Yeah, it just still yeah. doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. Because the second right. that you go near the bottom, it pushes the brush back on, and then you spend ages trying to pull it back down. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. So I've tried. I want to try Mr. Hobby, who's does. He's. Uh, it's like a Japanese brand. Yeah. Um, and they've just got like a solid brush that's not, and it reaches the bottom straight away. Which is, yeah. And a lot of people rate Mr. Hobby stuff. I mean, I guess you could use like a sort of a knackered, like you couldn't use like a plastic brush. You'd need to use like a, a sable brush. It would pre- feel pretty wild to put a sable brush yeah. in there. But like, if you had like a super thin one that was yeah. knackered and had gone beyond service, you could use that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my solution to this problem was just to buy another bottle of Tamiya Extra yeah. Thin and just like top one up with the other. And now I've got two bottles yeah. that work of Tamiya Extra Thin. Did you see um, there's somebody that did a video because like the chemical formula is basically exactly the same as the airbrush cleaner? Airbrush cleaner. And Tamiya I want to say, is it Tamiya airbrush cleaner or yeah. Vallejo airbrush cleaner? Mm-hmm. One of the two. So chemically the same thing. It's going to be Tamiya, Tamiya, isn't it? Chemically almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I think like one's 50%, one might be 49% Mm -hmm. of one of the other chemicals that's in it. But I've never been able to find that airbrush cleaner. Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's something about Tamiya products in the UK, but some some of them are hard to find. It's a Japanese brand, isn't it? So I don't know if it's, yeah. Anyway, never been able to solve that. Nope. Um, But yeah, it's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. It doesn't, it is extra thin, mm-hmm. especially on smaller models. Yeah, fantastic. Stuff. Don't buy the quick drying though, because I've made this mistake. What's it for? What's it actually for? Because it dries between the time so that you take fast. it out of the bottle and yeah. put it on them. It's it dries. It dries. Yeah. I don't know what the application. I was wondering, is this for like sort of scale modeling or for me, some? Probably something that we're not very good at. So yeah. I was I was all up for some quick drying. Yeah, me too. But I didn't want it to be. It smells nice, so it smells like biscuits. I don't know why. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't want it to be that quick drying. Yeah. Anyway. No. Lessons learned. Um. Yeah. Okay. Onwards and upwards. Basin stuff. Yeah. So broad category. Mm-hmm. What What do you use for basin? What's good? What's not so good? So your top of the top two things top three things on the list i use quite often okay uh, vallejo gaming paste very good i also recently got some ak interactive basin paste as well because they did like a martian red and i did it for my um gene sealer cults for that yep um 40k tournament that we did um yeah great isn't it it's just like some sand in some paint and some probably some resin or something that sets really hard yeah. um but really good fast and you can do a bit of dry brushing and it looks really good and you know so much the vallejo stuff is so much cheaper you're getting so much more for your money value wise the vallejo is a thousand times better yeah. it really is really affordable isn't it i um, think it's about eight times better but yeah yeah yeah, but, yeah. hyperbole aside it, it is it is really good stuff indeed yeah um and I mean, I've found that you know, you can buy it in the colour that you want, mm-hmm. but it takes paint very well. Very well, yeah. so you can just paint over. Yeah, it I totally have done want. that. I've done both. I've, I've, yeah. so I've got one that's like really light sand that I bought for a song by some fire army that was meant to be, you know, in a desert, and then sold that army, and I don't really have anything to use it for, but I've still got like three quarters of it left. So then I just started whacking it on stuff and priming it, and it just is ground. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't mentioned it previously when we we're talking about paints, but like, yeah. GW do cop a lot of flack for their paint bottles mm-hmm. um, with a flip cap. 
and <laughs> it's I don't I don't have as big a problem with it as some people, but I do have a problem with it when it comes to the texture paste, the mm-hmm. Armageddon dust or whatever they're all Recent called, because yeah. it it just any air in there at all and it dries Instantly up so dried. I've got like one thing of the Vallejo stuff and it's completely fine. Yeah, it's screw top. It's a screw top. Yeah. It seals. Air's not getting in there. So yeah, yeah that's a big plus. Definitely. Cool. And geek game and base ready stuff is for the the time frugal hobbyist is. I think you get big payoff for not much time investment. Yeah. It doesn't stand up to like really close scrutiny because you kind of, when you get really close, you do realise that he's used, or that the company's used some cheaper aggregates to make what it is. But at an army level, it looked great. I think some of the stuff that you got from Alex is based with it, right? Yeah, and I think he uses the same stuff that I use, the Scrublands. Scrublands, fantastic. So for anyone that doesn't know, so Geek Geek Gaming Base Ready is Mm -hmm. a range which is basically a bag of stuff it's mixtures of sand grout bits of flock um some pebbles of different sizes mm. um but it's kind of just like a one-stop solution of put some glue on a base yeah. whack the model into the thing be give it a bit of a shh, 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 yeah. and then you come out and it's a based miniature and there's enough variance on that base that you don't have to paint it afterwards it's just you've got different tones of sand or grit or texture and stones and greens and things added to it that yeah it just looks interesting visually it, it interesting. does the randomization for you exactly it's just by enough, actually being random yeah, yeah. there's enough different bits Which, of stuff in the in the bag i don't know how you feel but i often find when i'm trying to do it myself when i try and be random i end up the human not, brain struggles with that no I, I find it really difficult and then i noticed with that with those um do you see that cult because i put some green crystals on trying to be random put them in different places it looked very intentional and i was like at the end i was a bit like oh god you know what i mean i wish i hadn't done that now but yeah yeah fantastic stuff and there's a whole variety of different sort of looks there's one which is looks quite necrony it's like black with some black with some green crystals, crystals in, in. awesome cool yeah um scrublands yeah. one's great there's a new zealand planes. that's the one that i use quite often very much like it yeah nice so yeah that stuff's great um moving on uh, tufts. I mean, any tufts really, but like the a fantastic range is by Gamers Grass. Any, but it's it's like Gamers Grass are like up here, and then the rest feel like you don't need Gamers Grass. We've got tufts at home. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and like even just from, so I've got quite a lot of ones from Geek Gaming. Very affordable. You get loads in a packet. It's all the same bit, mind when you get those ones or the ones that I've found. Anyway, it's just you know it. Every tuft is exactly exactly the same. the same, and actually a lot of the stuff that's on the tufts because I've got flowers and stuff just mm. falls off. Right, okay. Whereas the the um, gamers grass stuff are really high quality. There's lots of variance in the heights and the stuff that's in it. You get like the loads of different shapes on the on the pad as well, don't you? Mm. Um, and like some of I don't know if you've seen something like their cattails and things where I don't know how they've done it, but they've like managed to free the ends of some of the fibers oh, to wow. make like in the just look great so i'm i'm looking forward to getting some of these yeah. to do war master stuff they do because they tiny do versions, tiny little they, female, yeah. um little um patches of stuff yeah so and uh, it, this is the same with the geek gaming stuff but like the amount of impact you get for just like you know very no effort and yeah. no skill obviously you're just gluing gluing things to a base mm-hmm. it's fantastic and it's sort of the realism that you can get is is great so yeah, yeah big thumbs up for those yeah um 
anything else that we like or dislike when it comes to bass and stuff? <clears throat> I do dislike cork. <laughs> I know you've written that down. That's a bit of a meme in the club as well. But I just I hate Age of Sigmar's game that I love. But there's just there's like a fetish in Age of Sigmar where people just put like like a four foot plinth okay. of torn up cork mm -hmm. to make things look more dynamic, and it just makes them look less dynamic to me. They all look like they're standing on top of a. They look like they're standing on cork rather than yeah. Yeah. Can it be done well, or are you just against it in principle? Um, I'm sure it can be done well, but I think if you just put a torn section of thin cork on top of a base, it doesn't do anything for the base. Okay. Especially when there's like bits hanging off the side of the base, mm. uh, and and it literally just looks like you've put a, a I don't know. I just think it it can definitely be done well, but I think for models to look dynamic, they have to be interacting with the environment instead of just being in exactly the same pose, but then just raised up a level by something that looks okay. irregular. What if it wasn't flat on the top? Would that? Yeah, so I think it looks a little bit better when they use the cork bark instead mm -hmm. of the just the flat sheets of cork. Mm. But even then, it can just be a bit over the top. Okay, thumbs down for cork. Um, one other quick thing that I'm going to mention is um, baby wipes. Yeah. So yeah. this was particularly to do, I did some custodies and I did like a sort of marble base. Did a bloody good job of it as well. Cheers very much. Um, yeah, it, it took a little minute of practicing because the, the thing which I hadn't figured out was that the baby wipe needs to be completely dry. Yeah. Um, but basically, yeah, dry out a baby wipe. You may have some if you have babies. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Or just go and buy some baby wipes. Yeah. That's fine. Um, and you just dry one out on a radiator and you pull it apart until it's almost fallen apart. Yeah. Meanwhile, you base coat your base in whatever you want it to be whether it's green, you want a sort of greenish marble, so mm -hmm. paint green uh, or blue, whatever you want to do. And then you pull the baby wipe out over it until just some strands are covering it up. Mm -hmm. And then you go in with a white spray can and pull the thing off. And yeah. magically you've got this something which, depending on how well you've done, and there's a lot of randomness to it, yeah. looks yeah. like marble. Because that's cool. how you get like, so it's where the, where the baby wipe strands have covered is where you get the veins of the marble, right? That's exactly Looks right. awesome. All right. Um, onwards, so basing stuff done. So I don't have an airbrush, so over to you on this one. But yeah, any any top tips for airbrushes to get or to not, or the things hmm. that you need if you're airbrushing? Um, so I think everyone's mileage varies with airbrushes. I think if you're serious about a hobby and you feel like it's something that you, you can invest in, a good budget but still good airbrush is what I've got, which is the Badger uh, 105 Patriot. Okay. So this is renowned as a bit of a tank, isn't it? Which is why I'm recommending it. Okay. So I went through three airbrushes prior to this, two of which being Amazon Jobbies for 30 quid, 40 quid, and then um, another one being an Iwata Neo. Mm -hmm. And all of them are just disintegrated the nozzles on them because they're made out of like a really soft brass and if they get clogged you kind of need to get in and you have to take it off and it's just a tiny little like it's basically a, a nut that you have to unscrew and they they bend and warp really easily and things right. like that and the badger is american made you know eagle scream blah 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 uh, but it's milled solid steel and like you know, I, I treat it very badly, but my needles are fine. I've ne I've like 
been in with the end of a knife cleaning out blockages and it's just it just keeps, keeps going yeah just keeps trucking yeah this this solid um quite easy to get spare parts for typically um and it's pretty good value so i think it's about 90 quid for the airbrush as a set and you get a 0.2 no a 0.3 needle and nozzle and 0.5 needle and nozzle which is like a base coat a tank style nozzle and then more like you're trying to do some finer stuff on okay, yep. on miniatures mm-hmm. so really recommend that but otherwise you know if you don't mind just giving it a shot um just get that cheap 20 quid one 30 quid one off ebay with a cheap pump and just have at it practice mm. if you if you're cognizant of the fact that you probably aren't going to be able to get spares for it and you're probably going to knock it because it's the first one and it's not very robust then go for it Okay. I've heard a lot of people say that the Greens of World portable ones are okay for just priming and stuff. Is this as well. one with like a sort of battery pack yeah, attached yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah. So you don't even need to buy a pump. So Yeah, and you see some of those ones floating, well, lots of those ones floating around eBay, eBay Amazon, and stuff like that, which yeah. other places Pretend like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um and what else does somebody so yeah, if I was getting a first airbrush and I've got my badger Patriot, do you need extraction? Is paint gonna go everywhere? Paint's not going to go everywhere. You need a bit of clear space to do it. You need good lung protection. So a um, a respirator that is rated for organic vapours. Yeah. Um, or, alternatively, if you can afford one, but they are quite expensive, um, airbrush boost, but you're looking at about 70 to 100 quid for one of them. And this is something which is effectively going to suck the yeah, particulates it's got and a outside big, a window. Yeah, exactly. You've got yeah. a big filter block and then a fan that pulls stuff out mm. and protects you. Um, that and, and a pump. Uh, you need you need an air compressor of some variety. Mm. Um, uh, it's better if it has a tank because then your pressure is more consistent, but equally it's a lot more expensive. So, you know, just go mad. Pick one up and have a go is the best thing that I can say. Or find a friend that's got one and just ask if you can have a go there. Yeah, I think that's what I'm going to do at some point. Because, like, uh, yeah, I need to understand whether or not it's going to be, like, a big enough of a game changer. Yeah. You know, we've talked about having a dedicated hobby space. Mm -hmm. What you absolutely don't want, or what I don't want to do is, you know, to have it, but, like, not have the space to use it and not to understand how much space that's going to take. And then it's just, you know, an expensive thing that sits under a desk. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a whole world, obviously, of, like, different, you know, sort of techniques and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. from, like, just base coating in whatever colour you want to OSL and stuff like that, which seems very attractive. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Other stuff? Uh, any other random things? I mean, I'm going to come out with one, which, you know, we're talking about Warmaster, which has, uh, well, facilitated me being able to paint better than is probably, like, sensible. But mm-hmm. some magnifier goggles... Um, or like glasses mm-hmm. so basically just like a, a headband which has got like a, a magnifier that comes in it was like 15 pound off amazon or ebay or somewhere i think i'll be buying myself a set yeah pretty cool pretty cool so like my eyesight as far as my wear is fine i think I, I like i went for an eye test about a year ago and it was like 2020 so mm-hmm. i don't have a need for glasses yeah but god the difference when you put in like a two and a half times magnification what you can see and I think, you know, for like for painting faces and, and what have you, mm-hmm. uh, and for painting these Warmaster miniatures, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes it makes a big it makes difference. Makes a difference, yeah. 
I'm I'm going to be cautious with it with the Warmaster stuff because like we were saying before, if you can see so well at such a small scale, then the temptation is to try and paint it like you normally and, would. And fix things that you might not necessarily and pick just up on. take yeah. forever to paint like, yeah. you know, to paint like these tiny little guys, which isn't really the point. But like, yeah, you can, it takes a bit of getting used to as well, though. I can imagine, you know, yeah. The, the paintbrush moves two and a half times as fast as what you're normal, uh, what you're used to. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, like big difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, for, I, I, I would like to try and paint faces, mm-hmm. you know, better and like to like a high quality with some yeah. nice glazing and like different tones going on. And I think this would make, you know, make a big difference to be able mm-hmm. to do that. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say magnifying goggles. Um, Anything else across the hobby spectrum you'd want to talk about? I thoroughly agree, agree with good kitchen roll. Good so kitchen I, I roll. use Blitz. Regina Blitz. Mm-hmm. good man yeah, yeah. Uh, so for a few reasons it's lint free yeah so you don't get like the dusty stuff that you can get off cheap stuff yeah it absorbs a lot better um and it feels like when you're using it for a hobby um you're not having to just throw sheets away constantly you can really right. use it until the end of the sheet until there's no space left to one sheet of regina blitz and i don't know if it, this is probably true for you know it's actual intended application yeah of, like might whopping up like wiping up mess and stuff yeah one sheet of regina will go like as far as i don't know six sheets of your, your easily your cheap easily yeah yeah yeah. especially especially when you use brush soaps and things like that because you have to use quite a lot of stuff to just to you know clean off your brush afterwards aldi does a snide version of regina blitz. so regina blitz is like available in most supermarkets i think, I think that is the aldi one over there so it's called like something of a bang or blast or something yeah i can't see i haven't got my glasses on but yeah. anyway also very good. Yeah. Also very good. But yeah, cheap kit, uh, cheap kitchen roll is no use. Good as well. So if I'm using a, a wet palette mm-hmm. and it's a homemade wet palette, then good kitchen roll in the bottom of that that stays flat when it's wet makes a big difference. Doesn't as wrinkle well. up. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, one other thing that I'd noted on here is storage. So you've got all these minis. You got to put them somewhere. Yeah. Now I've been through some GW foam cases, and. Yeah, the the they're fine. You can carry a few minute you can carry your miniatures around in them, but on the downside, the foam is in contact with the miniatures. Yeah. It's probably gonna rub paint off. And bends the like the you'll know yourself from having marines, anything where there's like uh uh like a, a spiky bit or or you know, like a what they're called, like like the rosary beads and stuff yeah, that are yeah, hanging down. Purity Any, seals and purity all that seals, sort of anything that like that that gets yeah. caught is a goner if yeah. you're not careful. Well, I think the GW cases were probably better back in the day when you had like little monopoles. Iron Marines. Halo. Is that Iron Halo? Iron, Iron Halo. That's, that's the one that's I was thinking off. of. Yeah. That's coming off. Um, you know, when miniatures were within a probably more defined silhouette and they weren't going anywhere. Yeah. But now we live in a world of, you know, like centerpiece models and like, I don't know, Nighthorn and, and all these different Nighthorn, terrible. Anything Drukari, terrible because yeah. it's all spikes everywhere, isn't it? So, so the answer to all of this is basically just boxes of any sort, but like really useful boxes yeah. or similar are great, and just rubber, rubber uh, steel sheets yeah. in the bottom, yeah. which are like, and and then magnets, magnets on the bottom of base. Yeah, yeah, makes transporting them much safer. Mm. Makes moving them around if you're playing rank and flank stuff much better. It's just the way to do it. There's some absolutely wild cases on the market now, isn't there? I saw, like, um, is it Barry from the club had his knights being transported in one where I think it's, like, metal sheets within a hard metal... So 
It's a quisk. It's a quisle. So IKEA do a, a thing called a quisle, but yeah. he had like it's it's designed by a gaming company, right? And it's got like a mirror. Uh, sorry, a glass on the front of mm. it, so it's kind of like makes your stuff look amazing. Mm-hmm. I've seen quite a few people with Adeptus Titanicus stuff putting their titans in, it, in yeah. these, and I think he had his knights in one mm-hmm. as well. So yes, yeah, some, some high end versions of a similar thing mm-hmm. are available. The one thing I'll say for, or another thing that I'll say for anything like a like a magnetized type situation, mm-hmm. um, like a really useful box with uh, rubber steel in it, especially if you're playing like a bigger army game, if you're and especially if you're at a tournament or something, mm-hmm. being able to take your minis off the table as they die and plop them straight back into a, like a magnetized box rather than then having to like into clear the down sections and stuff. Yeah, 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 clear down at the end of a game is is absolutely massive. Yep, so, love it. All right. Um, well, look, I think that's about it. We've we're obviously going to have missed something really obvious, which we'll Probably. think about as yeah. soon as we like stop recording this. Um, but yeah, that's a, a pretty good overview, I think. I think we could probably like dive more into some of this in a future episode. It's a big topic, so yeah, yeah, it's been a whistle stop tour mm-hmm. of, of all the stuff that we need um, to actually do this hobby. But great. Shall we finish up with our secondary objectives? So we should. Um, yeah, something that we uh, have been looking at slightly outside or close to the hobby in the last month which has uh, caught our attention Mm -hmm. do you want to go shall i go Uh, you go i'll go all right so this is a bit of a curveball but like it's it's a youtube channel Mm -hmm. but like i'm i'm gonna come out with big talk i think this is the best youtube channel that the best content on youtube that i've ever seen wow but and i think this is maybe even partly betrayed by dice yeah (laughs) <laughs> it's a, it's on a par with yeah. this podcast but yeah um i'm gonna try and describe this without giving too much away because it's kind of cool just to sort of like discover the dude at the same time but basically the channel is called bobby fingers right and what it is is a guy who makes dioramas of particularly interesting moments in the lives of uh powerful male celebrities i'm gonna say so he's made it a diorama of uh, Michael Jackson going on fire on stage whilst filming a Pepsi commercial in, I think, 1986. Um, He's made a diorama of Mel Gibson getting arrested at the same time as dishing out some anti-Semitic abuse. Did you post a picture of that in the Discord? I have posted it in the Discord. Um, And all of that sounds, you know, that's fine. And and the guy's kind of amazing. Well, um, sorry, anti-Semitic abuse isn't fine. Anti-Semitic abuse is never fine at all. But to make a to make a a diorama of Mel Gibson as he's copping the flak for Mm -hmm. for, you know for dishing that out is something else. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, And yeah, so the guy who's doing it is this Irish guy. He's clearly uh, he's got a lot of involvement in the movie industry. I think Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. he does prosthetics. Um, He's a musician. He does some music for the thing. He ends up without giving too much away he does say this at the start of his videos he like he ends up like um burying the things that he makes whilst having like given away clues about where they're located throughout the video right so and if you dig the thing up it's yours um but he he comes at this with just an absolutely bizarre sense of humor which just completely chimes with me yeah and uh and it's just absolutely worth a look so yeah check out bobby fingers on youtube Mm -hmm. um, and see how you get on with it it's yeah, brilliant. I will do. Yeah, it does sound good. That might be my bedtime watching today. The most recent one is he made a he made a boat out of Jeff Bezos's face. Um, 
and and part of this uh, involved him traveling to Turkey um, to have a single ass hair implanted on his own head. And there's reasons for this. But yeah, check out Bobby Fingers. <laughs> check out Bobby Fingers and you'll find out why. It's it's completely completely different that than anything I've ever insane, seen. insane, yeah. yeah. It does. It sounds really insane. Good. Anyway, what's yours? Uh, my secondary objective, I think this time, is going to be going back to my bust and getting it painted. All right, yeah. rinse and repeat? Rinse and repeat. Cool. Or, well, or not a false start this time, hopefully. All right. And I think I need to... And really immerse myself in the Warmaster stuff so that we know we both have an idea of how to play when we, we we get to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that so much. I mean, I think, you know, my plan is going to be not to be painted by the time we're coming to play, just to like oh. blue tack some guys onto some little bases and, and move them around. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, the game just sounds so interesting. Yep. So yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Well, look, thanks for listening. That's been a whopper. It has. Um, I don't know what we're ticking over at, but like, if you're still here, thanks for sticking with us. That's been a, a long painting session that you've managed there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. You can contact us at betrayedbydice at gmail.com. And the next episode should be with you in about a month. That's the schedule um, yeah. we started off at, and I think we can probably just about stick to this. Mm -hmm. um, and so our next topic, we're thinking of going for a bit of a spicier one. Yeah. Uh, we're going to up the Scoville rating and get into the complex business of playing games that represent actual world stuff. Yeah. There's, so a, there's a lot of ethical questions to be asked, isn't there? There definitely is. There's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot going on. It's going to continue probably a conversation that you and I started after... Well, it was only it was earlier this year, off the yeah. back of a Midwinter Minis video, which was slightly clickbaity. But yeah, the, the title was The Big Problem with Historical War Games. Mm -hmm. And... The problem that they were positing was that somebody has to be the Nazis, yeah, or the Germans. And in in doing so, um, I think there was a bit of an insinuation that that makes that person a bad person, wasn't it? Or or it felt like there was a bit of an intonation that that is potentially the case. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah like loads loads to unpack there. And it's I mean, a big debate in our club as well, didn't it? There was quite yeah. a lot of and very some surprising opinions about it as well. People that were quite upset about the whole thing in general. Um, just the war game in general, not comfortable with. Well, I think I think it's I think it's really interesting. It doesn't just get into like you know we are we are shuffling around these little plastic guys, whatever world we're of talking course. about. Yeah, and like my guys are trying to kill your guys and mm -hmm. vice versa. So there's some stuff to talk about here for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll try and do it in a grown up and reasonable way, without like you know kicking off or anything like no. that. But yeah, really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. All the best. Cheers. Take care. Thank you.